Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Calabasas City Council meeting of August 28, 2013. Welcome to City Hall, and thank you for coming. Uh, tonight, many of you know, we are meeting on the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington and the I Have a Dream speech by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And um, I wanted to say something about that. You know, I. I uh, actually don't think that that was really that much of an original idea because I think what Dr. King was doing with that speech that we all remember parts of was um, he was thinking about the commandments that have been around since the beginning of time that you shall love thy neighbor as yourself. He was thinking about the basis of our democracy where we talk many times about all men being created equal. And um, and so when he talked of his dream, I think he talked, he meant about the shared dream that all civilized people have had really since the beginning of time. And here we are 50 years later and we can take some small bit of pride in the progress that's been made, but I hope that we can all remind ourselves uh, of the work, the tremendous work that there is still to do uh, and commit ourselves to do that work. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite doc, uh, King quotes was one that reminds me a little of Calabasas, so I'm gonna give it to you. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And I know that I'm most proud of our city of Calabasas when despite our great blessings, our comfort and convenience, we often speak out and set an example, even here in our little teeny corner of the world, on environmental issues and educational issues and quality of life issues. So uh, I hope we all take a moment today to reflect on those 50 years, uh, all of the council members, I think we were, we were all alive, but not, were you alive, James? <laughs> no. But probably don't remember it. Not 50 it. years ago. Yeah. You're so aging we, me, Fred. We weren't all alive. <laughs> but uh, but with, with that, when we, uh, we, those are some of the things I hope we think about tonight when we, when we, um, when we tackle some of the issues that we tackled tonight, including bullying, including how we care for our seniors in the future, including honoring our firefighters that put their lives on the line for us, um, and other issues. So with that, I will uh, call the meeting to order. All of my fellow council members are here, council member Lucy Martin, Mayor Pro Tem David Shapiro, council member Mary Sue Maurer, and council member James Bazajian. And we will ask uh, the Cub Scout Pack 333 of Calabasas and Boy Scout Troop 642 to please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Please rise for Pledge of Allegiance. Color Guard Advance. Put your right. Put your right hand over your heart. Ready, begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Color guard, post the colors.
Color guard, salute the colors. Two. Color guard dismissed. You may be seated. Thank you to our Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. And uh, it reminds us that school is back in session. Everyone be safe out on the streets. And uh, the most wonderful time of the year, according to that Staples commercial, if I recall, for the, uh, for the parents. Um, approval of the agenda. Is there a motion to approve the agenda? So moved. It's been moved and seconded. Is there any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor of approval of the agenda, please say aye. 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 We'll move to announcements. Going to look back to Chief Whittle. Are we ready, Chief Riddle, or are we still expecting? Uh... Okay. Well, we'll we'll you know we'll wait. We can you wait a few minutes? We'll wait a few minutes. We're going to have a um, we're going to honor our firefighters. Did some extraordinary work in our city uh, recently, but. Uh, they're, uh, they're running a little late, so we'll, we'll wait for them. We'll move to our next presentation, which is our uh, Rock Life presentation, and I'd like to call on the Mayor Pro Tem, David Shapiro, to introduce this. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, we have been lucky enough, uh, earlier today we had the opportunity to have a celebration of the uh, city's first annual uh, proclamation uh, supporting a ban on bullying and Anti-Bullying Awareness Month, which is coming up uh, in October. And this, uh, we presented the proclamation at that time to the community. Uh, do, do you wish that read now at the, or One, just go on go to the to, certificate? Go. Yeah, go to the certificate. Okay. As part of that, approximately a year ago, uh, an organization known as uh, Rock Life, founded by Mitch and Julie Richmond, two of our local residents, uh, and a number of youth uh, in our community formed an organization and have been working at our community center to help uh, su support uh, finding positive ways for our young young people to uh, enjoy their lives be good to one another and treat each other in the community in a positive way um, the certificate I have here if you want me to read it sure proceed forward is to Mitch Richmond, Julie Richmond, Valerie Shepard, and Xavier Artis, who are hereby recognized for their efforts in founding Rock Life's anti-bullying awareness campaign. Their determination to educate, positively encourage, counsel, and teach communication skills to our children have led the way to seeking solutions to bullying in our community. The City, the city Council supports the anti-bullying awareness campaign and its ban on bullying in the City of Calabasas and hereby recognizes the date of September 7, 2013 as Rock Life Day in the City of Calabasas, signed by all of the Council members. And the significance of the September 7, 2013 date is there are, there's going, there are going to be two events that night. I'm certain you will hear about them. One is a celebrity uh, and local student uh, basketball charity basketball game in honor of the uh, or in support of the anti-bullying awareness campaign and at night a uh, VIP event as well uh, their efforts are tireless they've worked we have a program at the community center for adults we heard about today as well the they're called fireside chats uh, and they they work with children throughout the community to help 
bring awareness to the issues that our, our kids are going through difficulty. All, all kids go through, and adults go through bullying, different forms of bullying in our community, but the goal is for our youth. If we can start with our young, young, young children, then maybe they can teach us some things. So we want to honor you and thank you for being here. And I know there is a, a brief presentation they have as well. Yes, so if you would come forward now for the pres your presentation. It's going to be up on the screen. There have been a number of teen suicides in the last eight to twelve months. There was like three suicides at my school last year. One of them was an overdose, and two of them were suicides. Just sad to me to know that these kids felt so helpless, so alone, and so lost. I started the Rock Life campaign to bring awareness to obesity, bullying, and a high rate of teen suicide to the Agora Hills and Calabasas community. Well, there's a lot going on up here in uh, the area where we are with obesity, so emotional eating, bullying, people beating up on each other, and the worst is the cutting, self-mutilation, and suicide, where actually these beautiful beings feel like they have no alternative but to exit, like to exit life. I started the Rock Life campaign because there, I live in Calabasas, and it was just an alarming amount of children that were committing suicide. Some that my kids know, you know, some that I knew from somebody that knew someone, and it's just, it's sad. And I just want to, you know, I have three kids, three boys, and I just want to rally around this, get to the bottom of it, and just try to help these kids. Well, I found out about the high rate of suicide in this community because I have kids that go to this school. I have friends and their kids go to this school, and uh, we've been hearing about this in our community, but it's been a little hush-hush, and we want to bring awareness to it. Actually, some people get very unsocial when they're depressed. I've, one of my friends is depressed, and I've noticed she's not social because it's harder for her to be happy around all her friends. So she just goes from class to class and stuff. But when you do see her with her friends, you, you can't really tell. Like, it's hard to tell who's depressed and who's not. Well, as the director of the community center, I felt it was very important that we partner up with Mitch and Julie Richmond's Rock Life campaign because we are here to provide a service and we're really to be out in the community and through programs and activities and different services that we can provide that's our goal i'm mitch richmond and i rock life i'm julie richmond and i rock life i'm valerie shepherd and i rock life I'm Anne Marie Flaherty, Executive Director of the Agora Hills Calabasas Community Center. And I rock life. I'm Chasen, I'm 14, and I rock life. My name is Lexi, I'm 10 years old, and I rock life. Brian Russell, NBA legend, Utah Jazz, and I rock life. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm Chris Hayes, former NFL Super Bowl champion of the Green Bay Packers, and I rock life. Thank you, Mitch Richmond, for Rock Life. Thanks, Mitch Richmond, for helping us rock life. Video always gets me. It's kind of like a roller coaster. There's a little sadness, and then there's a lot of joy, and uh, that's what today has been. Um, what an auspicious day! I didn't know about the the award this evening, so I'm caught off guard and, and very, very grateful and humbled. And I thank the city council and obviously my partners, Mitch and Julie Richmond, and Xavier Artis for putting this together. And. <clears throat> and giving me an opportunity to do something that is very um, dear to my heart, which is help youth build self-esteem and help adults heal old wounds that are still kind of running around below the surface. And so um, this is just amazing. It's funny to me in a funny, strange, and sad way, not a funny ha-ha way, that bullying behavior has become so ubiquitous as to almost feel like it's just supposed to be there, like it's, an, it's so much an everyday occurrence that we are in some ways getting a little dumbed down to it. It's like, oh, that's just something we have to deal with as opposed to something we need to eradicate. And what's really important to remember is it's not normal. It, there's nothing normal about intimidation and harassment that leads to the byproducts of what bullying behavior leads to. And so I am very honored and uh, to be here right now addressing a body of people who have stood up and said, no more. This is, we're done. And it's very powerful what you have done. The proclamation is absolutely spectacular. And I'm grateful to be a part of the action team. So now what happens after we say these magnificent words is we put our legs and our feet and our hearts and our minds together and we create action that actually changes things for the better. And many of you and many people in this room and of course this fabulous team right here have been a part of doing this. We've had activities in the community for the past year and now it just feels like there's a whole new level of energy and vitality and heart underneath it and I'm, I really thank you for that. And our, our big event uh, is coming up on Saturday the 7th. It's the Rock Life anti-bullying celebrity basketball game. I expect all of you to be there, you know, cheering us on. We have, we have little flyers for everybody in the audience who hasn't heard of it. We really are encouraging everyone in the community to buy tickets. Um, it's a great cause that you'd be contributing to, which is the action plan that rolls out in the month of September and October, October being National Anti-Bullying Month. And um, who better to support and who better to work with and towards and for than the Calabasas community youth. And so the event is on the 7th. We have flyers for you, September 7th, which is like 10 days away. And it's at the Agora Hills Calabasas Community Center, so it's right here. It's in your backyard and help us spread the word and please show up and, and uh, wrap your arms around these kids and show them that they matter. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. How much are those tickets? Do you know? Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, on behalf of uh, the Rock Life uh, team, and we want to truly thank you, like she said, uh, thank you for this, and we really appreciate it. We know that uh, it's a lot of work to be done, 
and we're here to do it. And we know that you guys, with, with your backing, uh, we can get a lot of things accomplished. And, and thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. We are. Um, we're gonna. We're gonna. We'd like to give you this certificate, and I'm gonna ask the council members to uh, to join me in front to do that. Um, this is another area where this is a a a, a, a widespread problem, not just here in Calabasas, but Calabasas, because two of our residents have stepped forward and said how important this is, are putting their time and their efforts, their resources. We're gonna have a campaign here that we hope spreads far and wide, but it takes the entire village. If you see something, you have to speak up. It's, it's not to turn your head and walk away. When you hear the stories, you need to speak out on how outrageous that is. Our school district has a zero tolerance policy. They have programs, but the entire community needs to step forward and say this is not acceptable uh, in our community or anywhere. Um, the proclamation that's been talked about, we're going to spare from reading it again, but we've, uh, this council unanimously has declared October as Anti-Bullying Awareness Month. And there'll be programs uh, in the schools, at the community center, and throughout the city. And uh, we ask you all to watch for those um, and support them as well. So with that, we'd like you to join us, if you would, in front so we can uh, present you with this um, certificate. A week ago Sunday, August 18th, we had a brush fire here in Calabasas, and, um, uh, and we lost no structures. We had no loss of life, a couple of injuries of, from firefighters, but m relatively minor, and it's because of the absolutely incredible work that our firefighters do. Uh, not only our, our local firefighters, both stations 68 and 125, our two Calabasas stations, but the entire LA County Fire Department was a great example of how mutual aid works because if you were out there, you saw firefighters from Ventura County and Los Angeles City and other parts of the county. You saw aircraft, um, fixed-wing aircraft and helicopters out there, and they put that fire out before, uh, before anyone was hurt. And we uh, cannot thank enough 
our firefighters. I invited our firefighters from our local stations to come. Uh, I have Assistant Fire Chief Anthony Whittle is here. Our Community Services Liaison Maria uh, Greiken is here. Um, the firefighters are out on a call. I was trying to wait for them uh. to be ready, but it doesn't look like they're going to make it. So, um, look, Chief, you need to tell your guys, as we try to tell them whenever we can, we are so grateful and thankful that they're there, how well trained they are, how, uh, how, what a great job they do. And that was just one example, big example, but one example was this fire we had on August 18th, that we are a grateful city. We want you to know that. And uh, thank you, and please spread that word to them. Thank you very much, Mayor, Honorable Board. Um, I apologize up front. Uh, both Calabasas stations did get a call. I was uh, uh, meeting with them prior to this, and uh, as always happens, it seems like we had a little fire at uh, the border of Hidden Hills. So I apologize for that, but I do have my, my best aid here, Maria, as you know. Um, and we are very honored to um, provide service to uh, the citizens of Calabasas and uh, it's a wonderful collaboration and I think it showed the other day um, and if anybody hasn't noticed um, as we always say this is the year but as you can see the state of California we are going to be under fire siege this year and uh, the uh, brush is very receptive um, to fire and uh, we're doing our best and it's um, not only us it's the cooperation of many partners in the Santa Monica Mountains and it's also the uh, great community members that all come together and provide safety for our loved ones and our property so thank you for that it's an honor to uh, be here tonight chief if you'll stay for one second Steve Roseman is here he's the president of the Mount Calabasas Homeowner Association their community was threatened as you know the fire was within, within a few hundred yards of some of the homes there and I know that he also wants to say a few words of uh, appreciation Good evening, Mr. Mayor, member of the City Council. I, I unfortunately have had the drawback of going through two fires now. We lived through the 2005 uh, devastating fire that hit our community and surrounding areas as well as what happened last week. And I must tell you, the fire department, their reaction time, their guidance that they gave to the community, especially to our community, was quite astounding. And why I wanted the opportunity to be able to raise some of these points is because what was very interesting was I got a call from a few members of the board saying, Steve, could you do us a favor? Could you please contact the landscaping company, get the sprinklers turned on so that we can actually spray? We have, a, I think it's about 2 million square feet of common area landscaping in our fuel modification zone area. Turn on the sprinklers and let's make sure everything's wet to assist the fire department. Well, I went up to them and I mentioned this to them and a gentleman, unfortunately I didn't get his name, said that's the absolute wrong thing to do, which I had no idea. What the gentleman told me and the, the firefighter said was that really what you should be doing is not doing that. It doesn't benefit. All you're doing is drawing down on the resources of water for the fire department. What you should do is roll out your hoses, put a stepladder on the backside of your home away from the fire in case any embers to go ahead and cause that. So what I did was go to the website of the city of Calabasas, which is quite remarkable when it comes to information. They have one document that's put together by the fire department called Ready, Set, Go, which I tell you is a guide-by-guide -guide, guide through the process of what you should do, which I can tell you is very different to what I honestly thought needs to be done. There's also the city of Calabasas emergency preparedness guide, 
which is very well written and very detailed on every conceivable emergency. So all I'm saying to the residents of Calabasas, use the resources that the city of Calabasas has offered you and the city council. Tremendous amount of information, a lot of information that would be very surprising for many of the residents. And once again, I'd like to thank the city council and more important, the fire department for their reaction time, for their guidance, for the fact that there were 14 to 20 engines just in our community alone that was protect protecting the community. Well, thank you, Steve. Any uh, council member comments? Councilwoman Maurer. I just want to quick uh, say something to Maria. Um, we know that you're not on the front lines putting out the fires, um, but you have trained more homeowners, and over here we have a representative from the Oaks. The entire, well, it seemed like the entire Oaks community was trained in, trained in emergency preparedness. You've been doing that for years in our community, and we don't often get to see you come forward and thank you. So thank you on behalf of all the residents. And if there were five tips you would give us with the coming <laughs> fire season, all of us sitting here, the five most important tips to prepare our homes and protect them, what would they be? I, I, I got here we go. <laughs> Battalion Chief Scott Salas. Uh, Chief, um, welcome. I have one tip, one very important tip, and it was just mentioned by who I would like for it to be our new spokesperson <laughs> for our uh, Ready, Set, Go program. Thank you. Very eloquently stated. That's Ready, City Set, Go. Steve Roseman. Steve Roseman. <laughs> I, thank you very much. Um, Ready, Set, Go is, is the tip. And that booklet is available at our fire stations, it's available on our website, and it's available through your website. So thank you for that partnership as well. Um, it really talks about, you know, for years and years they, they've had this, um, you know, talked about the brush clearance and, and keeping everything around, and that is vitally important. Uh, but what's become increasingly important is to not just focus on the brush around the house, but the house itself and to start from the house and then work your way out. So that booklet gives a lot of tips on how to harden your home, how to close those vents and prevent embers from getting in because that's what starts those structure fires uh, during a wildfire is those flying embers and they work their way into the house. So you have to start from the house and, and work your way out. So they work in combination with each other and that booklet provides a lot of good information on how to harden your home. And thank you again. Thank, thank you. you. Any other council member comments? Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, this is um, Battalion Chief Scott Se Sellis. Is that right? Yes. Thank you so much for being here. We're not going to repeat. Chief Whittle will tell you how much we uh, praise we gave you, but um, we would love when the when the uh, when the firefighters are available to come to a council meeting and be recognized. We would really we'd like to do that. Absolutely. And yeah. the uh, offer is always open for you guys to come over and visit with us too. So. My understanding, by the way, is one of our uh, trucks is now up uh, fighting the Yosemite fire. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Well, mm -hmm. our best wishes to them for success and, and their safe return. So thank, thank you, you again. That. Thank you. Have a good night. Okay. Before we get to the council announcements, we have one more item, and that is this... Um, uh, last week was the, uh, we belong to the Economic Alliance of the San Fernando Valley. It's a five-city alliance that um, involves itself with economic development issues throughout the San Fernando Valley region. And they had their annual meeting uh, last week, and, and we prepared a, a short video about some of the business 
things that are going on in Calabasas, and it's a three-minute video, and we're going to show that now. It hasn't started yet. Greetings from Calabasas. I'm Mayor Fred Gaines and your fellow Economic Alliance board member. Loosely translated from the Spanish, Calabasas means home to reality TV and pop stars, many of whom wind up in the tabloids on a regular basis. Not really. It means pumpkin, as in our annual pumpkin festival, coming up this year on October 19 and 20. But Calabasas is a thriving city of business. Come on, let me show you. This past year has been an exciting one for Calabasas and all of its residents, even those who managed to stay out of the headlines. While many cities have been forced to cut services, Calabasas has not only survived, but thrived due to sound economic policies and a pro-business environment. Despite challenging times, Calabasas has maintained the highest credit rating available for a city our size from both Moody's and Standard & Poor's. Calabasas is also experiencing a retail renaissance with new restaurants and retail stores opening throughout Calabasas. And our Calabasas Business Corridor continues to thrive. In March, shares of Calabasas-based Cheesecake Factory hit a 52-week high. Calabasas-based auto technology company DTS closed the deal to supply surround sound technology for vehicles made by Chinese auto manufacturer BYD. In July, computer technology provider Ixia reported 2013 second quarter revenue growth of 28%. Engineering services provider National Technical Systems entered contracts to install its groundbreaking FastTech scrap metal loading machine for advanced steel recovery. Calabasas-based On Assignment Inc., a leading global provider of diversified professional staffing solutions, announced a 15% year-over-year revenue growth. Kythera Pharmaceuticals continues to develop biomedical innovations to improve the quality of life for medical patients. The recently opened Anza Hotel provides travelers on business and pleasure a place to stay in comfort right here in Calabasas. And our luxury car dealerships, a key component of our city's economy, are also expanding. Calabasas prides itself on being innovative and forward-thinking. And I'm not just talking about ways to keep teenage international megastars from driving through our neighborhoods like they're auditioning for Fast and Furious 6. The math is pretty simple. No business tax, plus no business license requirement, plus a safe and beautiful environment equals Calabasas, a great place to do business, and home to six of the 25 largest companies in the San Fernando Valley, according to the San Fernando Valley Business Journal. Of course, it doesn't hurt that our Las Virginas Unified Schools continue to be among the best public schools in the state. All in all, it's been a great year in Calabasas. Thank you to the Economic Alliance for all you do for Calabasas and for our entire San Fernando Valley community. Well, thank you, and thank you to our incredible media department for helping put that together. You know, we don't think a lot about uh, the businesses that go on here, but it, it is truly incredible, some of the uh, business industry, and, and it shows what you can do if you... Uh,
you don't have a business tax and you get out of their way, they can do a lot of incredible things, and they're doing that. And, of course, our Chamber of Commerce does an incredible job as well. And uh, most of the people you saw there are members of the Chamber, and the other ones we're chasing down to make sure they join. So, so thank you all for that. And with that, we are on to Council announcements and introductions. And uh, we'll start with Councilmember Martin. I just wanted to remind everyone or to, to let you know that there is a special uh, primary election coming up for um, Assembly District 45, which with the redistricting, the city of Calabasas is now a part of. So um, you should go on and look at the different candidates and see what they offer um, for the city of Calabasas and vote on uh, September 17th. Um, the uh, vote by mail ballots, you probably already have come in your mail. And, um, and you've heard the voice dialers uh, about the San Fernando Valley, but we are a part of that, so you want to make sure that uh, your voices are heard as well. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Councilman Brazajan. I want to remind everybody that in conjunction with the Calabasas Park Homeowners Association, we're presenting our final summer concert at Calabasas Lake, 6 p.m. on September 15th, the band Quattro. And uh, admission is free, of course. And then remind everyone once again that by now they should have received our City of Calabasas uh, fall recreation brochure. And if you haven't received one in the mail, then they're available at all municipal facilities, has all our classes and recreational activities as well listed there for the fall season. Thank you. I have two, two quick announcements. First of all, we have a free shuttle that will take students to and from school. Um, our elementary, middle, and high school, and I hope that parents will go on our website to find out more information about getting a pass to ride um, to and from school. We also have a recycling drawing contest for elementary and middle school children. It, the deadline is November 1st, and these submissions are what we use for our free calendar that we provide every year. So hopefully we'll get a, uh, a number of applicants. Thank you very much. A couple things. On last, this past Saturday night, we had a uh, council was invited, and we had a wonderful barbecue in the Saratoga uh, Hills neighborhood. Um, they do a, every year a great event for their community, and it would be great if other communities in the city, other neighborhoods in the city, did a similar thing. But they do a wonderful, wonderful job. Invite us to their barbecues. Yeah. yeah well, there you go. I, I particularly would like that. But um, they, it was a, it was a very nice event. We had a meeting on Monday, another meeting in a series of meetings with property owners in the Craftsman's Corner area as we move towards uh, possibly initiate, initiating an annexation of that area. And uh, future meetings are planned and information is available through uh, the city if you're interested in, in that. Uh, this weekend, of course, is Labor Day. Have a happy Labor Day weekend. Everyone enjoy. Uh, and if you're enjoying too much, stay out of your car. We're going to have a, uh, we're going to be looking for people who have decided to drink and drive, and it's a very, very bad idea. As much as we have the beautiful new Anza Hotel, we also have some rooms over at the Sheriff's Station that uh, are available uh, for people who decide that, uh, that that's a good idea. And uh, finally, let me just wish a Shana Tova happy holidays. The Jewish holidays, as you know, start next week. You may see a lot of people walking in the community. Let's be careful and, and, uh, and, uh, and be kind and, uh, to, to all of those that are doing that. And uh, happy new year to uh, all of our 
all the people in our city who are celebrating the Jewish high holidays. With that, we are on to oral communications. I do not have any cards for oral communications. Anyone who would like to speak at tonight's meeting, either in oral communications or in any of the agenda items, needs to fill out a card. The cards are in the back. Has anyone neglected to fill out a card that wants to speak during oral communications? Okay, seeing none, we will move on to our consent calendar. Uh, we have before us consent calendar items one through four. Is uh, anyone have any of those uh, items that they wish to take off the calendar? Item I four. Item four, any others? Two. Um, two. I have a question about two, and then on three, I assume you're going to introduce the people here. I will do it, although I'll allow it to be approved okay. by consent if that's, did you say three? I said four. Four. So I got four and two. Is that right? All right. So uh, before us now are consent items one and three. Is there a motion? So, so moved. moved. Second. It's been moved and seconded. Is there any objection? Seeing none, those items are adopted by consent. Item number three, which was just adopted by consent, is the confirmation of a number of our city commissioners who have uh, been nominated for a, uh, a two-year term on our city commission, a three-year term in the case of the Library Commission. And I want to recognize those commissioners who are here who uh, give, have given great service uh, uh, to the city and, and have volunteered to continue to do so. Uh, Julie Shai Sobel for our Environmental Commission. Is Julie here? Julie, stand up and be recognized. Julie has been on our commission for a number of years. She's been a great uh, commissioner, uh, always an, a lot of ideas for our environmental commission. We really appreciate your service. Thank you so much. <laughs> our Historic Preservation Commission, uh, Judy Jordan and Alan Ross. Are they here? There's Judy. Judy. Judy, Judy has been involved in so many of our organizations in the city and then, of course, is a former member of our Las Virginia School Board and continues with her service in the city. We're so grateful. Thank you so much. Alan Ross has served two years now in our Historic Preservation, Preservation Commission, has done a wonderful job, and we appreciate you stepping forward to serve again. Alan, thank you so much. Um, Mark Shear, Library Commission. Mark has served our city in a number of different uh, positions, uh, commissions, on the Park Commission, the Library Commission, on the uh, Gura Hills Calabas Community Center. Am I missing any? You're in our general plan, uh, <laughs> on the general plan advisory committee, many, for many, many years, and uh, we are very appreciative of your continued service in the Library Commission. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> our Parks, Recreation, and Education Commission, Myra Turek. Myra in the back. Myra has also been uh, just a, a rock in Calabasas for many, many years. She probably sold most of your homes or on one end of the deal or the other. And, uh, and she has served for a number of years on, uh, uh, in a number of our local organizations and then also on our commission. And Myra, really appreciate your service and your volunteering again. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Myra. The planning Commission is Robert Leah and Alicia Weintraub. I see Alicia, and there's Robert. Uh, these are our two newest members of the Planning Commission. 
but both of whom have already done an incredible job. Bob Lee has been around and involved in community affairs for many, many years, and very appreciative of your service. And Alicia uh, has uh, also been involved with the schools, with a lot of different areas, and, and on the Environmental Commission, and then recently the Planning Commission. So thank you, congratulations, and we appreciate your service. Thank you. Public Safety Commission, Richard Willard. Richard, didn't we approve you last time? No, we didn't approve him last time. He was here last time, and we said nice things about him. But we'll say nice things about you again. Richard has also been around for many, many years with the Mulwood Homeowner Association, with the Future Foundation, all kinds of organizations, and has served on, as a commissioner for us for many years. We greatly appreciate it. Richard, thank you so much. Uh, also on the Public Safety Commission, Martha Fritz. Uh, Martha has been, uh, in, again, so many organizations. She's done really an incredible job on our Public Safety Commission with our earthquake preparedness and emergency preparedness, and she is uh, currently working on some fall is our time when we remind all of our school families and other families that it's time to check uh, those supplies. And I think we have some upcoming events uh, where, those, um, where we'll be discussing those issues and have vendors and so forth out there. Uh, what are the, what's the date? I think I saw dates. Do you have dates? October 16th and 17th. So we'll be advertising that and there'll be information on the website and our newsletter and so forth. But Martha, thank you for all your work on that and everything else. Thank you so much. <laughs> and our Traffic and Transportation Commission, Michael Newfield. There's Michael. Michael, thank you so much. Oh, Michael has also served for a, a number of years on our Traffic and Transportation Commission. And uh, we really appreciate all of your service uh, and that you stepped up to volunteer once again. Michael, thank you so much. Okay, with, with that, council members, here's where we are on the commission appointment process. There are three nominees who have not yet been um, before us because for scheduling reasons. We're, I'm gonna put them all on the agenda for the next meeting. Uh, and. Uh, uh, I believe two of them have said already that they can attend that meeting, and one may or may not, and they're having illness in the family, so we'll decide whether we can approve them without their being present. We'll see if they can attend or not. Uh, in addition, uh, now that the Planning Commission has been full, I'm ready to make my appointment as for the alternate member of the Planning Commission. I'm gonna announce tonight that David Litt, longtime member of the Calabas Park Homeowner Association uh, board, uh, is going to be my nominee uh, for the alternate position on the Planning Commission. Is David here? There's David. David is here. David has uh, agreed. Thank you, David. But you're, not, but you're not approved yet. You have to come back uh, at our next meeting. So his name will be on the agenda for next time. The, other, the only other appointments that I'm uh, aware of are the, we have, uh, are the appointments to the Agoura Hills Calabasas Community Center Board. Um, what I'd like to do is have council members give me your suggestions, now that you see who's been approved and who's already on commissions, give me your suggestions, uh, if you could do that in the next week, and then I'm gonna play, put some names in nomination and put them on the, on the, uh, uh, on the calendars for the next meeting so that theoretically we could be done with our appointment process at the next meeting. Um, so uh, I'll ask you to do that, and, uh, and then I will uh, give names to the um, to the clerk who can put them on the agenda. Then all of them, of course, will be asked to attend and will be here for any questioning and, and for a vote. Okay. There'd be, there'd be two, two regular seats, two alternates. Fred. Yes. 
City Attorney Association. Yes. No, I think you, you clarified it by indicating you're going to put all the names before the, the city clerk. We're not going to be voting on anything surreptitiously. It's not a secret ballot. We're no, just no, going to no. get names. We're just going to give them the city clerk. Our new, our new procedure is to be approved. You have to be on the agenda so the public is notified. If anyone has anything to say or input that they want to give, they can give it. And then we will take a formal vote as we just did on this slate of nominees tonight. I have a question. Are yes. you the only person that can put forward a nominee to the Planning Commission alternate position? Am I the only person who can put forward mm -hmm. a name? Um, I don't know. I, I, it's my, I know it's my, by ordinance, it's my job to put forward an, a nominee, but I imagine other nominees can be put forward as well. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, we are, we have consent calendar items two and four. So let's go to two. And uh, James, was that, did you have a question? I did have did a question Did you want a staff report? No, I just, I understand and it's exactly what we had approved last time. My question goes to the other parts of this ordinance that were put over and not approved. What is, I know we had decided that we were going to do further research on those and refer it maybe to the commission. I mean, what, what, what's the timeline for that? Well, our next, the next public safety commission meeting would be in October. Okay, are they, are they going to be reviewing our comments? They can if you would like to, absolutely. Well, I, I just, because I, mean, I, I know we had a long discussion. I was unclear of where we left it. Yeah, I, I did not, I didn't take it as, as that we were going to send it to the public safety uh, commission. I took it that we were going to see how this thing worked for a while. And if, and after a period of time, if we needed to do some more measures, then, then we would take it to the, Public Safety Commission for additional uh, uh, items to put on the on the, on the ordinance. I yeah, this came from them. This came from the Public Safety Commission. Oh, I know where it came that. from. So, I, I just, you know, I got a couple members of the public unsure what happened to the other aspects of the ordinance that were rejected. And so I guess, are we going to re-agendize this in six months here? Is that what your intention was? Or? Whatever, whatever you wish. We, we were bringing this as a standalone because I think there was consensus in the entire council for this portion of it. And then there was a lot of talk about the other things, and we decided to hold that over, give this a chance to work, see it, whatever, and then it's up to the council's uh, discretion when they want to when they want to bring it back up for more changes. Well, maybe in six months the commission can okay. review it, and then it comes back here. Good. Okay. And then maybe they don't recommend any additions. But I'd like that to not just, I know we all make comments. I don't want them just go un, undiscussed in the future. But this is fine. I, I agree. So let's plan on the Public Safety Commission doing a review in six months. Okay. And, and I would just add that when it does come back to us, as, as it was provided to the Public Safety Commission, a law enforcement representative to answer questions. Okay. Any other discussion on item two? I, I had a question. Mm -hmm. Um, for the violations and penalties, um, there was a misdemeanor. There was also some comment um, that we were going to uh, do some kind of a leave it up to the person that was going to be reviewing these on whether or not first offense, second offense. It was we weren't going to go directly to, or are we? As I met Mr. Mayor, members of council, as I recall the conversation. One of the concerns the council had was the ability of the police or the sheriff's department to go out and actually confront an individual who may be violating the ordinance. We needed it to be a misdemeanor to create that probable cause. Uh, certainly we can look at, and maybe it's a, maybe it'd be something looked at by the Public Safety Commission, 
is whether or not we want to make it a, a, a wobbler misdemeanor infraction or have civil penalties. But at this point, the, I believe the consensus was we'll keep it as a misdemeanor as part of this process. Remember, we've, we've removed all the permitting requirements. So all we have is if someone posts a sign and someone solicits in violation of that sign, it becomes a, a violation of this ordinance in, in the nature of a trespass. Well, I would hope it's an alternative infraction. At this point, it's just a misdemeanor. However, if an officer confronts someone, writes up a report, doesn't cite anyone, it can be up to the prosecutor to determine whether they're going to file at all, have an office conference perhaps. But right now, the penalty for violation of this is a misdemeanor, assuming there's a case even filed. It really should be a wobblet. It really shouldn't be a mis just a straight misdemeanor. That that's a again. It's if the consensus of the council is you want to continue this to the next meeting for someone going door to door. I, I would agree with that also. We, we would, we would so in order in order for it, uh, a sheriff to have the ability to handle this as an infract as an, uh, an inf infraction, it has to be specific in the ordinance that it can go either way. It can't. The way it's written now would not allow that. The way it's written now, the penalty is a misdemeanor. It okay. is a misdemeanor under 116020A of the code. If you want it wobbled, I'll have to change the language to provide that you that the, the prosecutor has the discretion to file it as an infraction or a misdemeanor. And if that's a consensus of the council, we'd have to continue or to settle it the next for that. meeting. Or to settle it for that, even if it's filed oh, yes. as a misdemeanor. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, yeah that, that's fine. Sort of wobbler. I mean, I would think that's right? appropriate. It won't change a probable cause, understand. Correct. The sheriff will still have right. the same probable cause, so it doesn't affect that ability to enforce. So does that require another first reading? It would. It would. It is well, not. Well, it's probably a, worth it. I mean, I, it doesn't require a I new I don't think first it's fair. I'm, I'm sorry. It doesn't require a new first reading. It just requires that this matter be continued to the, next, to the September 11th meeting for the second reading because you're making a change after the introduction that hasn't been addressed to the public, and it's more than just a ministerial technical change. Yeah, because otherwise... We're forced between nothing and a misdemeanor, and, and then it's true. Uh, I think it's well worth it to continue it. So, how do you do? You prefer that we move to to adopt it as amended, or that we uh, bring it back? I don't. Uh, again, it's a general law city. You're limited in uh, the amendments that occur after the date of introduction to only technical, minor, clerical type changes. This is not a technical, minor, clerical type change. My recommendation is, if the consensus is you'd like to see the penalty as a wobbler, then continue the matter to September 11th and I'll make those changes and we'll have that before you for the September 11th. All right, move to September continue until September 11th. I would like to see it continued as well. So I'll take that as a second. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 And that's with the instruction to add the, uh, the uh, wobbler. The penalty Thank will you. be a, a alternative misdemeanor or infraction. Correct. Yep. A unanimous vote from your elected officials to wobble. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That takes care of item two. Item four uh, is now before us. And uh, was that Mary Sue? Yes. Did, did you need a staff? Did you want a staff report? Um, no, I'm going to ask for staff clarification. Item number four is a staff recommendation in response to the Affordable Care Act that begins January 1st, 2014. And please correct me if I'm re uh, misstating this. And what it would do is take employees that work 30 hours, who would then be eligible for benefits, and cuts them down to 20 hours, thus, and creates a new position, um, thus we don't have to pay benefits. Is this correct? Yes, but I would also uh, point out that what we're hiring is a part-time employee. 
but but you're you're correct. Right now, the the PERS uh, classifies a part-time employee as anybody who works a thousand hours in a year. If you work two thousand hours, you're a full-time employee. So the thousand hours right now can be split any way that you want in a year. So you could have twenty hours per week for a, an entire year, or you can do forty hours per week for six months, and you're still considered a part-time employee. With the Affordable Care Act, uh, if you work over 29 hours, you're, you're paid benefits. And so what, what we're doing here is requesting of the council that we get more part-time positions so that we're not uh, forced to work anybody over the 29 hours and keep, keep the budget to the same amount that we currently have in the budget. That's, that's, the rec that's the recommendation. And are we providing benefits at this point to those that work 30 hours? No. We are not? We're not. 25 hours? No, no if they're part-time, if they work less than 1,000 hours, uh, hours or less per year, they're considered part-time employees. I, I still have a problem with this. You're, you're taking people that are depending on 30 hours a week of income and you're cutting their hours by 10 just so you can save on benefits. Um, and I think that's impacting a livelihood. And I haven't seen a cost analysis of what the savings would be or uh, what the cost would be if we do this. So I would ask at a minimum that my colleagues um, join me in looking and having some kind of t attached financial explanation. I have a list of employees that would be impacted, and there's quite a few, but I have no numbers as to the projected cost of providing health care to these people or um, cutting their jobs. And I, I have an ethical issue in general with this, but I need to look at the numbers. And, and the flip side is that we would be hiring more people. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, you're taking people's, you're impacting people's livelihood, a whole list of people. Um, and we do not have any kind of employee association because we take very good care of our employees. We appreciate them. They stay. Um, there's not turnover. And so there's zero feedback from any kind of employee response to this. So that, that concerns me, too. And if, there, if we could get something, I would like something from the employees as well. Are there any other comments in this matter? I just had a question. It's the, the people that are working 30 hours now, since that's considered full-time, cutting back to 20 hours. Couldn't you just cut them back to no, 29? No, we would. We would it, it, it's anybody who's going to work more than 29 hours. It's not, it's not 20 hours. I mean, it's, it's 20 29 hours. It's 29 hours. And so, so you could actually give them 29 hours exactly, as opposed to the 20. Exactly. We give them 29 hours. And, that, and, and our, the point of this thing is to be fiscally conservative. Now, if we wish to extend benefits, that's another issue. And it's a policy decision of the council. My only question, do you have any idea at least of the cost of what, what the cost increase would be to provide benefits to these employees at this time? We have not evaluated that with the CFO at this time. Okay. I, I mean, I, obviously with the change in, obviously with the change in the law coming up in January, I think uh, keeping part-time employees as part-time employees makes uh, makes sense and is something we should do if possible, but I would like to also see what the cost would be before making that decision. 
I view this as, as, a, uh, as a technical change in order to keep the employees in the correct category under the, with, the, with the law changing. People should know if they haven't looked at the staff report. We're talking about part-time fitness instructors, swim instructors for the most part, um, uh, you know, part-time recreation leaders. So these are people with part-time jobs in, in recreation that, uh, uh, and we want to make sure that we're still defining it correctly as part-time under the law. So this to me is, a, is, a, is a, uh, a minor change. I would expect the staff to bring us these kinds of things so we don't get caught up in these issues. And I'm, I'm ready to support the, the item. When is our deadline? There, there, there isn't a deadline. We're well, no, there is. I mean, if we're going to get no, caught we're, behind No, what that. we're doing is, is, again, we're being very proactive here. That This has been delayed a year. I know. But there's a look-back period. When the law is implemented, there will be a look-back look period of 12 months. And so if we have employees that during the 12 months before the law takes effect have worked over that time, then they will be considered as... Well, as, that's what as, goes back to my question. When is our de the deadline for the look-back period? It's now. I mean, if this is implemented it, it, it is January 1, they're going back 6 to 12 months from that time. And so that look-back period is now. So we've started this summer, started cutting back employees that, yes, as uh, Councilmember Maurer said, uh, that we're working 40 hours, we started cutting them back. Uh, but then we don't have enough positions to cover the hours uh, that we need for, you know, safety and security and, and overseeing our facilities. And, and, and the other consequence is that any expense that, that accrues will be paid principally by the membership of the Tennis and Swim Center because it's an enterprise fund and that's where most of these employees are. Well, that, I, get, the, the I guess city attorney, the city attorney. maybe my question was, okay, let's say we wait two weeks and get the information that, I don't know, you've asked for and I don't know if anybody else down there asked for it, I don't remember. What, uh, what's the consequence? Well, the, it, it, I don't think there will be any consequence. Well, I don't, I, I don't, I, I can't answer that right now, but I don't, I think the consequence would be, would be minor, be two weeks. The, the, the issue with, with the benefits is right now I have directed the entire staff not to work people more than 29 hours and that's the direction and we will continue with that direction. The, the, the problem that we have in the, in the uh, tennis and swim center is, is that uh, we're running out of hours, so we either offer less instruction or, or you know. I, 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 well, what you're doing is you're forcing people, not only are you cutting their hours, you're forcing them into the private pool to buy their own insurance. So it's a double whammy of, these of hurting are, people. These are part-time employees. I understand, but there's also a list of non um, a whole list of employees, hourly employees, not from Jeff's instructor and lifeguard. A whole list yes, of librarians but, but, and, and, and... But, but uh, all of those I have control over not working more than 20 hours. I mean, right, uh, or, or 29 hours. And, and I, I have full control over those. The ones that I don't have control over are the seasonal ones that have to work or right now are working more because they're working during the summer period. The regular librarians and, and Bob Burris and even uh, our, uh, our public safety uh, director is a part-time employee and, and he will work the number of hours to, to, to maintain him as a, as a part-time employee. So you, you intentionally are keeping them under 30. So exactly. It's not, oh. Exactly. <laughs> I have a problem with that. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to see, thank you. I'm glad other people agree. I, I really, uh, I would like to see 
what the cost would be to keep people at 30 and provide their benefits for them. I know we're talking about um, some, some Council, money Council, here. They, they don't work 30 as it is. The only ones who work 30 or more are the ones at the tennis and swim center. You did center. explain that, but then right. this whole other list that I just raised, you said that's the one you have discretion of and you are intentionally keeping them at 29 well, they, to intentionally circumvent giving them benefits. And no, no, I am following the law as currently written. So let's, uh, I'm not circumventing anything. Right, that was the wrong word. Okay, so, so, so but, but, but looking forward, if the city, and we'll bring back the numbers, wishes to pay additional money for benefits, then that, that's fine. If the city wishes to hire more part-timers and, and, and save on that, then that's fine and it's a policy choice of the council. Is I'm there a second person up here that would um, join me in getting this agenda so that we can have a better, and, and I, wanna, I wanna understand your perspective. I know you manage the money and that's very, very important and I, I'm ultimately responsible too. Is there a second up here for, to get this on the agenda for future are, are discussion? You, are you running the meeting now? No, I want to okay. make sure I have one before we leave the dis not, not on this voting on this item, but yeah. I do want to make sure before we leave this discussion. Make a motion, and then I'll I'll take care of seeing well, whether I'll, there's I'll a second. I'll ask for it at the end when we agendize items. That's what I'm asking okay, for. Okay, but we have an item in front of us. Oh, this so if you item, want to make a motion, you can make I a motion, and then that, we'll check and see if I there's move, a second. I move that we table this item. And we don't vote well, on I it. I don't want to table it. I mean, I. You want to continue to a specific here, meeting? Here's my here's my thing yes. on it. I mean, I I'm inclined to just vote for this, but I don't mind getting the additional information as a, as a courtesy to another council member. I mean, but I, I'll tell you, we've never offered benefits to part-time employees. There's a substantial expense. Okay, and I'm not really likely to vote for giving tens of thousands of taxpayer money to part-time instructors and things. 30 we've hours? Never, but we, okay. we've never done it, yeah. okay? So we've never done it. It's not like, I don't want to give the public a misperception that we've done it, now we're cutting back and get eliminating. The positions advertised as this is what it is hourly and you're not getting benefits, we're not cutting that. And no, I'm not anti-union either, as you know. Yeah. So I don't know where, it's, uh, someone made a comment along those lines about, you know, the employees not being unionized. Um, the fact is that normally when a council member makes a request for more information and there's no harm in waiting the two weeks that we, that we go ahead and do that, even if we don't necessarily agree. And I, I you know, I've been there before, so I'd, I'd respect that if, Tony, you're telling me that there's no additional harm in waiting the two weeks. The city attorney had, had a... Mr. Mayor, members of the council, the implementation and the reporting provisions of the Affordable Care Act have been delayed by one year, so they don't go into effect until January 1, 2015. The look-back period will not be any more than January 1, 2014, so two weeks is not going to be a problem if you want to delay it for two weeks until September 11th. All right, well, I would move to continue it two weeks for the information and then it gets put on consent again. Back on consent? Well, you can take it no, off no. consent. I mean, if you're, if you're satisfied I, with the information, if you're free to take it off consent. I, I second that motion. Okay, it's been moved and second. I'm just starting to look at the items we have for September 11th. Because we just sent something to September. We just sent one thing, we now we're sending another. And this, this I think actually will take some time based on what I'm hearing. So, um, but I'm okay with that, with, uh, at with a, that. Or at a future date. 
Yeah. I mean, we, it sounds like we have plenty of time, mm -hmm. at least. Right. Not well, and, and two weeks is also a short time to put together that kind yeah. of information if you really want an estimate of what it's going to cost. These are, this is a very large number well, that they're going to have to calculate. No, no so, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's continue it. And I'm okay with put, saying September 11th, but if they need more time, we'll, uh, we'll slide it to the later meeting in September. Is that all right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a motion and second to that uh, effect. Is there any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? All right, that'll be the order. Mayor, may I add one more thing? Uh, we don't have any input from employees. There's no mechanism to give us any input. Um, it would be nice if we did have some input. I don't know if they want to contact me directly or a council member or the city manager and let us know what they think about this. Okay. We are on to new business, item number five. This is a discussion of the Senior Center Workshop Results, Building Program and Establishment of a Budget by the City Council for construction of a Senior Center on the Civic Center property. And uh, I move to continue. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's on the budget, right? All right. And we will have a staff report from our Community Services Director, Jeff Rubin. Thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor, members of the, the Council. Uh, excited to be here tonight. Uh, I got a lot of my friends out in the audience. and. Uh, a lot of hard work uh, to this point. Uh, the task force, as you know, when it was assembled back in November, uh, began to look at uh, other senior centers in the surrounding communities. Uh, we did tours in January. Uh, we took all that information uh, from those tours and started developing information that we liked uh, at each of those facilities, things that uh, were not uh, things that we may have liked, you know, as much. And that helped uh, form the workshop information uh, that we started to, uh, to plan out for the community. Uh, it took a few months to get these workshops to the point where we were uh, comfortable in laying them out to the community. As you know, we did two workshops in uh, June, uh, one on June 22nd here in the Founders Hall, and we did one on June 27th at the Agora Hills Calabasas Community Center. Uh, in total, we had uh, 141 uh, members uh, of the community and surrounding communities that uh, participated in the workshops. Uh, at the Founders Hall, we had 101 participants and we had 40 participants at the community center. Uh, in total of the 141, we had 115 or 82% of those uh, were residents of the city of Calabasas and 26 or 18% were, were non-residents. Uh, 102 were female participants, uh, which totaled about 72%, and we had 39 males at 28% at of those that participated in the workshops. Uh, I did break it down uh, in Exhibit A a little bit more for you that showed uh, age categories. 80% uh, of the participants in the entire workshop format uh, were ages 65 and over. Uh, with that, I'm going to get into a, a short PowerPoint presentation. Actually, it's, it's long, but I'll go through it quickly. Uh, this, uh, again, it did take a lot of time uh, to put this, these workshops together. Uh, I wanted to thank uh, the community that came out and supported it and all the members of the Savvy Senior Task Force, or the Task Force, uh, that are going to, I think, speak tonight. Uh, they did a, a tremendous job. Uh, they helped to uh, staff and volunteer uh, in all areas of the workshop. Uh, everybody was, was well-versed on uh, what they were looking for, interpretations of questions, 
Uh, and we just got tremendous feedback from the community. Uh, everybody was just really happy uh, that we did this. Uh, they thought the format was fantastic. They liked that they were able to free flow uh, throughout. Uh, they loved the sticker process. And that gave uh, my staff, myself and my staff a lot of information to be able to decipher. Uh, and on some of these, these are some of the pictures uh, that you'll see that we took, uh, uh, the media took out at the, at the workshops. Uh, station one, as you know, was kind of the orientation of the workshop. And through that, we, we explained I did it, and we had Ed Albrecht uh, that, that helped me out front. Uh, we explained and talked about some of the, the makeup of our community, uh, the population of, of uh, aging, uh, male, female, uh, and the growing population. Our largest growing population at 9%, fastest growing is the 45 to 49 age group. And the task force decided to allow those to participate because that's, you know, we were talking future seniors. We want to see if we're a couple years out. We want to see what, what people that are going to be in that senior category, what they're looking for. So they were invited as well. Uh, we talked about where the location was going to be uh, behind the Civic Center. We talked about the connectivity. Uh, between uh, the Founders Hall, uh, the Civic Center, the library, uh, the, the commons, uh, transportation, and uh, so forth and so on. We then got into our user goals, and this is where I'll start talking about some of the information that we got. Uh, we had two main sections where people were able to use their stickers. Uh, that was user goals in Station 2 and Station 3, which were preferences. Uh, the first question, uh, which statement best describes the vision? Uh, we had 137 uh, people that responded to that out of the 141, so four people did not respond to that question. As you can see, uh, 104 people wanted uh, it will be an adult center for learning through classes, lectures, and guest speakers. And we're doing quite a bit of that right now. Uh, this came out last week. This is the uh, Savvy Senior Newsletter. Uh, this is also part of our constant contact list where we send out to uh, the community over 75 classes and, and over 1,200 seniors uh, have registered over last week and this week and are going to be participating in these new fall programs. Uh, the Senior Center uh, should primarily serve, uh, as you can see, 92 uh, people wanted it to be uh, residents of the city of Calabasas and 43 people said it should be throughout the region. And you can see the breakout of how many residents voted and how many non-residents uh, voted in that category. Uh, the Senior Center should feel uh, people want it to be uh, vibrant, diverse, and stimulating. Uh, 89 people of the 138 that voted uh, wanted it to, uh, to be vibrant. Uh, the Senior Center should, feel, uh, should principally focus on uh, programs for active seniors or a program for the spectrum of senior needs. Uh, 82 of the 136 people want it to be a program for active seniors. And again, when we talked earlier, 80% uh, of the people were, were 65 and over. And again, they still consider themselves and are active seniors. And uh, a lot of the programs that we're doing right now are, are really focusing on that. Uh, the senior center should uh, charge a membership fee. Uh, we had 137 people vote on that. Uh, 79 said yes, we should charge a membership fee. And 58 uh, people said, no, we should not charge a, a membership fee. And again, the breakout of residents and non-residents. Uh, should the senior center, should the new senior center, uh, people wanted to focus on classes, excursions, activities, again, active, active, active. 
116 of the 138 voted in that category. Uh, station three, we had uh, five boards set up where we were still asking uh, preference questions. And then we got into an area where there were 10 boards that displayed a lot of different uh, types of rooms with uh, different types of uh, amenities in these rooms and photographs that people were able to use any of the, they had 10 stickers left when they got to those. They were able to use them any way that they chose. Uh, the first question, uh, I would prefer, uh, again, it went synonymous, a two-story larger building, 123 of the 136 people that voted uh, wanted a, a two-story because the explanation, again, was that it would be a larger building, obviously. I would prefer, we had 133 people uh, vote on that. Uh, it was pretty close on that, but uh, the middle category, a volunteer center to help uh, give back to uh, my community and apply skills. Uh, 58 people <coughs> voted in, in that area. Again, I would prefer a question, uh, 109 of the 136 people that voted uh, having a small cafe on site. Uh, another, I would prefer a question, 139 voted, uh, 79 people, a lounge or living room to socialize in. And we saw this at uh, three of the uh, four centers that we did visit uh, back in January, uh, and it was a very popular area. Uh, people would prefer a, a large, well-equipped arts and crafts room. And uh, I, the first facility that we, we visited out in uh, Simi Valley had a phenomenal uh, art and craft room, and, and I know that left a lasting impression on the task force. So 88 people voted uh, for that. Uh, this last area, again, I did talk about that. You had 10 dots uh, that were left, and you can use them as you chose. Uh, this is the total amount of responses and this is the order in which people uh, deciphered the 10 rooms. Uh, the multi-purpose room at, at 221 votes. The arts and crafts room had 187. The outdoor patio had 172, and then it, it really got uh, close together in the middle. Uh, card game room, 142. Uh, a kitchen with 141. Uh, the lounge waiting area, 138. Uh, then it got into my man den, uh, had 88 votes. Uh, the outdoor recreation, very close with 87. Uh, private offices, 82. And then the last area, which is something the task force uh, played with up until the very end before we uh, put the workshops out to the public, uh, was the exercise room. And uh, we did decide to put that in at the last minute uh, with the workshops, and uh, it did kind of fall down uh, towards the bottom. Uh, this is the breakout, uh, the first page, the multi-purpose exercise room. Uh, this is how uh, the residents voted, the non-residents voted. We had 221 uh, total votes, but of that it was 115 people actually voted for that. Again, multiple stickers were able to be used in that area. Uh, the arts and crafts room, uh, we had 187 uh, total votes. Of that, it was 86 people that voted. Uh, outdoor patio room, uh, 107 people voted total, uh, which was 172 um, total stickers that were there. Again, uh, a breakout of the residents, non-residents. Uh, here's the, the game room, the way it broke out. Uh, the kitchen area. The lounge waiting area. Uh, my man den. Uh, outdoor recreation, 
private individual offices. And then the dedicated exercise room. So uh, again, thank you to the, the community and, and all the participants uh, in this workshop. Thank you. Uh, with that, uh, next steps. Where, where are we? I mean, we got a lot of uh, outstanding information from these workshops. Uh, I don't think it was anything that uh, staff or the task force didn't feel we were going to get out of it. Um, and with that, uh, I have Maureen Tamori, the community development director, uh, with me tonight uh, to kind of talk about the next steps on, on where uh, we need to go with uh, our senior center project. Thank you. Um, council and members of the public, um, one of the documents that's part of the staff report this evening is a building program. It is a draft document. I'm going to let um, if anyone has seen this. Um, it's a summary of all of the efforts that the task force has undertaken to date to try to really get their hands around what the community would really like to do. And it includes really three levels of effort. The first level of effort is visiting other facilities, trying to really establish what, what are the best facilities out there, and what are the good ideas that we can bring home. The second thing that it does is really identify what you are operating right now. What spaces are really being used at the three facilities that are, are being offered for classes? One of the very interesting things that we learned as part of that is that there's almost 9,000 square feet of space currently today being utilized and dedicated towards these senior programs. So uh, congratulations, you're really already running what's kind of a broken up, but very much um, very amply provided building program of almost a 9,000 square foot building. And then the third element to this building program is really a summary of those spaces. What are the kinds of components um, that the community has told us that they like? And those were reviewed with the uh, task force in order to put in this, this building. So the next step is really taking this document and making it into a building. So what do we need to do from that? Um, the approach that's being recommended by staff is to go with effectively what we did with um, this building, which is to really take a look at a firm fixed price for the building, a design-build effort. So we would bring in, at this juncture, a team. And the team would be coupled. It would be architects and engineers coupled with a general contractor in order to take this and make it into a real set of floor plans and move forward from that regard. Um, but you need a budget in order to do that. The recommended budget by the city manager and by the staff is from management reserve to establish a budget of $4 million for the entire effort. And from there, that number would go into this document. It would go into the final contracts that were actually arrived at. Um, and then we would bring that back to this council, award that contract to be able to start on the work. Um, there are things that will be in that $4 million figure, and there are things that would not be in that $4 million figure. So we've listed some of the ones that would be. Um, so your architecture itself, the work of the general contractor, the effort to actually put up the building. But just like this facility didn't have everything in the base architectural contract and the general contract, um, there are things that are excluded. So the types of things that would be excluded from that $4 million that would still be the responsibility of the city, in other words, you would need additional budget sources um, would be the work of your consultants. Um, we have two key consultants that we see moving forward with, which is a construction manager and your geotechnical engineer. 
Um, FF&E, which stands for Furniture, Fixtures, and Equipment. So for example, uh, the, the chair that you sit in um, would be purchased from a source of money not in that $4 million. We would not ask a general contractor to furnish this for us. Um, a lot of the media equipment, um, one of the things that was done at the end of this building is, is the media department went out and bought the screens over there and then we hung them up on the walls. That was not part of the original base contract. Um, landscaping efforts, we see that Steve Ball and his landscape team would do a fantastic job at a far less cost than that of the general contractor. Uh, reproduction costs is another very good example. Um, you have to pay for paper. Um, to reproduce building drawings um, is not inexpensive, and so those types of costs would be in addition to the $4 million that's being looked at for the base project. Um, so the next steps would be to go out there to try to find that team. Um, that would be a request for qualifications in California to take a design-build um, entity like this. We're looking for the best qualified firm, not the lowest price, because we'll know what our price will be by the establishment of that amount through this council. So we're looking for the best qualified team to move forward. Um, once that team would be screened, reviewed, interviewed, uh, ranked, um, then there would be a recommendation um, to move forward to move to a negotiation phase. And it's during that negotiation phase that we would get into some of the way that the contract would actually be distributed. So for example, um, how would we do a payment schedule? What would our schedule be for the work? Uh, what types of activities um, would we want to add or subtract from the base contract? And once that negotiation would be done, then we would move forward to this council with a recommendation for the award of the contract as well as um, the necessary CEQA documents to be prepared at that time. What we see right now is that effort will take us a few months, um, putting, putting out the feelers to try to find who would be interested out there, interviewing these firms, negotiating a contract to bring it back to you probably at the end of the year. And so that would bring us to a design start after the holidays into January of 2014. So the effort that we're asking of you tonight is really the allocation of a budget. And again, the staff recommendation is for a budget of $4 million. Again, that is not the entire project budget, but it would be the budget for the actual design and construction of this facility. Um, and with that, we're open for questions. Okay, are there questions from the council? I have one couple questions. First of all, I want to thank Maureen, Jeff, and um, Tony for guiding the senior task force. And I'd like to so take us. Yeah, staff questions, and then we'll go to then we'll go to comments. I mean, yes. Okay. Um, I, 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 ha I do have cards. I've, I had, uh, right. wanted to make sure you knew that. And then I wanted to just have the senior task force members stand up, um, if they would. Ed, Charlotte, Sue, Carol, Brenda, Lois. Um, is there anyone else sitting out there? These are uh, Council uh, Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro and myself, and these wonderful people. Thank you. Have got us where we are. I just wanted to um, clarify that the request for qualifications, and I, I know it, you haven't gone into any detail whatsoever, but would include someone with experience in building senior centers. 
That's correct. Absolutely. Somebody who can bring us expertise to this population, one of the slides that Jeff showed you is that a senior population is quite unique. Um, and up to 25% of seniors um, do have some level of um, impairment that sometimes can affect how you hear things. And I know I'm going through that right now. Um, I'm a senior. Um, what you see, um, sometimes how you move. And so we would definitely be looking for an expert in that area to help us with this Good. facility. That was the only question I have. I did want to mention one other task force member who's not in attendance tonight, Dr. Uh, Daphna Gans, who's from UCLA, a gerontologist. She's a resident of Calabasas, and she has been extraordinary in helping us as well. Okay. Let's, if there, are there any questions regarding the staff report? Then it, we, we'll have discussion after we hear from the public comment. Okay, no further. All right, I do have um, cards from six people, and we'll start with uh, Sue Somberg, to be followed by Bruce Elkins. Good evening, Councilman and City Manager, uh, Mr. Corollas. My name is Sue Somberg, and I'm the co-founder of Savvy Seniors. I would like to welcome all of you that came here tonight to support Savvy Seniors and the construction of a senior center in Calabasas. I would like to thank the Senior Task Force, Jeff Rubin, for organizing the successful workshops in June, which helped to develop the plans for our new Senior Center. This is the beginning of our third year. Each year we have grown bigger and better. Our social events, classes, lectures, and excursions have become very popular and are almost always sold out. In June, our first barbecue was a huge success with 180 people attending. Our recent Antiques Roadshow was sold out in three days with 160 people attending. We are in the process of developing an organizational structure defining the framework by which we operate. We have committees with chairman and co-chairman. This is all managed by senior volunteers who work very hard at developing new and exciting programs. We are moving forward. Savvy seniors look forward to communicating our strong public image in the community by promoting our high quality programming and at the same time promoting the wonderful city of Calabasas. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Bruce Elkins and followed by Patty Eulish. Hi, my name is Bruce Elkins. <clears throat> I was the first person to buy up a home in Mount Calabasas 13 years ago, and naturally it's recently been annexed to this wonderful city. Uh, the 13 years have passed, and uh, one of my daughter-in-law says to me, you know, don't you think you should be closer to me in the city? And I'm thinking, oh boy. Anyway, uh, you check out homes in Santa Monica and West LA uh, condominiums, uh, they're, they're pretty highly priced and uh, I said to my daughter-in-law, I said, you know something, we're building a great senior citizen center and that sort of took some of the wind out of her sails uh, that the city's better than Calabasas. Um, why do people like Calabasas? I think mainly the people who have young children like it because of the schools. The schools are terrific. Uh, I want to live here because, uh, continue to live here, because I feel a, a senior citizen center would be really neat. And as I get older, uh, you know, I might not be driving uh, 10 years from now, and it'd be nice to have a little transportation close by. 
Uh, an interesting fact that I, as I was researching this uh, material, uh, Simi Valley calls 50-year-olds seniors. So I know the gentleman over here is not 50 because he went to high school at Taft High School with my son, and my son's close. But 50 years old is a senior. I thought 65 were seniors. But anyway, we're getting down, and um, I think uh, that's uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty important. Um, you need money, and I'm being a little, I'm kidding around here. Uh, we know there's a young guy that's about 20 who lives here. Uh, could we put uh, a naming rights? Uh, Justin Bieber <laughs> Senior Citizen Center. Now, if that's a little far out, you know, how about uh, Rick Caruso Senior Citizen Center? And eventually, as the, I, I'm really kidding with this one, uh, how about uh, McDonald's White House? And Dodger Stadium doesn't even have a, uh, a name, but we have Staples Center and stuff like that. But I really think a, a, a senior citizen center would be really neat in an area that's very upscale and very nice. And I'm sure a lot of the money could be raised by uh, like groups uh, paying the city for transporting people on vacations and stuff like that. Thank you. Next is uh, Patty Eulish to discuss the Kirkland Signature Senior Center. <laughs> she can vouch for my age too because I went to school with her daughter. Right. James went to school, to elementary school with my daughter. <laughs> so, and thanks to all of you on the city council. Calabasas is a great place to live. It's big enough for you to run it efficiently, and it's small enough for us all to be informed and involved. And as the cliche goes, when did I get so old? Wait a minute, I'm not old, and neither are you guys, but I bet you're eligible to be savvy seniors. And if you're not, you will be in a few years. <laughs> so, so Calabasas is about safety, education, and schools for our young. And now we can add safety, education, and activities for our old, even though we're only old chronologically. So I ask you to be politically incorrect, service your own future agendas, and generously fund the senior program. Thank you. Richard Sherman, followed by Charlotte Meyer. Hi, I'm Richard Sherman, resident of Calabasas, president of the Calabasas Homeowners Association. But I'm here tonight as I hope somewhat a youngish senior. I want to thank Mayor Fred Gaines and the council members and our city manager for giving me this opportunity to say a few words in full support of the plan to build a city of Calabasas senior center here on Civic uh, Center property. As I often say, we are fortunate to live in Calabasas, which is such a beautiful jewel of a city. Uh, and which is so well run. And as the city has grown, we continue to attract young families who stay here and eventually grow older, while many in our community have already reached that point in their lives. I believe that in building the uh, First Class Senior Center, we are honoring our seniors, including some who actually founded our city. The idea of aging a place is so important. As a psychologist, I know firsthand 
that the more productive and intellectually challenged we are, the healthier and longer we live. And with the great success of the Savvy Senior Educational Program to date, the senior is the next logical step. Further, as the Savvy Seniors have championed the programs and the center, I can foresee these same seniors playing an integral role in volunteering at the center. And as Mayor Gaines talked earlier about this being the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's uh, I Have a Dream speech, it's quite fitting that you're probably going to be voting positive in the affirmative tonight and satisfying the dream of so many people here in the room. The senior center to be built here in Calabasas simply stated is the right thing to do with services and facilities in Calabasas for all ages. Thank you. Good evening. I'm Charlotte Meyer. Uh, I would like to first of all thank the remarkable staff of the city, the council, the commissioners, and the dedicated people with whom I get to work with on this task force. It's through their efforts that we have moved so far so quickly and we are here this evening. Uh, I'd also like to acknowledge that the Savvy Seniors is now a, a, a trademark. We are a brand, and people know us. Um, people know that we are 50 and above, we are active, we are engaged, and we are looking to age in place and to, be, to remain a part of this community. Uh, I want to spend my retirement here and I want to ensure that there are others like myself who also want to be here. Uh, I'm here really tonight just to remind you that about something you already know, that the Civic Center is incomplete. We are here to discuss the final piece. And we don't get too many chances to redo it. It's a one-time thing. We only built one city hall, we only built one library, and we're only gonna build one city, um, excuse me, one senior center. Uh, having spent my life in public education, I know how to bleed blood from a nickel. And I am concerned that the $4 million may not, may not cover our expectations or our future needs. When I first moved here, I was concerned about the schools. I still am, but my focus has changed. I am now a senior, and my focus, my prism that I see the world, is through a different kaleidoscope. And I see the world through what I can do now, and most of us do. But the $4 million that has been allocated is really for now. But what happens to people when we're 10 years older or 20 years older? We still have to think about that too. And the needs that uh, we have discussed in the workshops don't really address a lot of those. So I would like to build a senior center that has some open avenues for more concern as well. But right now we just want to build our senior center and hopefully we can look at $4 million and see where we can put some more funding into the program. Thank you. Uh, Martin Glatt uh, and then the final speaker, Carol Davis. Good evening, Mayor and members of the City Council. I, I would like to know uh, on what basis the $4 million budget, preliminary budget, was formulated. How many square feet of space are we speaking of? 
I know the area behind this structure here is quite limited in terms of total space, and I realize we have uh, limitations of how much land we have in the community. Uh, I feel that four, $4 million dollars uh, will not be adequate, given the fact that over 45%, I think was the number, seniors uh, exceed the age of 55, and obviously this is going to grow in the future. Thus, the needs for a larger facility will grow. I propose that the City Council consider a property tax assessment for the community to fund a larger facility which would be tax deductible for the citizens to enjoy on their tax returns. And in addition, there's operating costs. Uh, the presentation suggested additional expenditures in excess of $4 million. How is that going to be funded? I propose the council consider a temporary sales tax increase in the community that would help fund the operating costs of the facility once the size, et cetera, is decided on. And that also will help fund the added expenditures, as was pointed out, the chairs, the equipment, and et cetera. So I would like the city council to consider those items and view the fact that I feel $4 million for the size of the facility, whatever the square footage, will not be adequate given the long-range projection of the aging population of our community. Thank you. Uh, good evening, City Council members. My name is Carol Davis. I live in Calabasas, my children live in Calabasas, and my grandchildren live in Calabasas. We know you have a very busy agenda tonight in general, and in particular, you'll be discussing the proposed senior center, so we don't want to take up a lot of your time. As all the speakers before me, we are thrilled that we have arrived at this point in the decision process, and that the seniors in our community are valued and heard. Not that we would even think of influencing you in any way, <laughs> in any undue way. But we would just like you to have these little gifts <laughs> as tokens of our appreciation. They say savvy seniors in front of them. And if seeing them makes you think of our cause, well, we just can't help that, can we? All I can say is that the senior train is on the right track. We're pulling out of the station, and we're moving forward. We're not asking for a bullet train that might jump off the rails. But being seniors, we also cannot afford to take the local. Some of us might not make it to the last stop otherwise. So all of us here and all of us out there are on board, and we're anxious and ready for the ride. So here we go all together on the Calabasas Senior Center Express.
Okay, well, thank you. Uh, thank you to all the speakers. Thank you for my beautiful new $4 million tote bag. <laughs> and it's a lot like the gifts that I get from my kids. I know that I paid for it at the, uh, anyway, so, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, council members, that'll close the public hearing and we'll go back to the council for questions and comments. Um, who would, uh, anyone have any questions or comments? Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Thank you. I'd just like to say that was a very good, and pretty soon my colleague, uh, uh, Council Member Bazajian, will be able to ride on that train, too. <laughs> uh, I would just like to say a big thank you to Maureen, a special thanks to Tony and Jeff, who worked tirelessly on this, in addition to all the uh, senior task force members uh, who, have, who you've heard from, who you've seen. It was a, it's been a pleasure to work with you. I look forward to continuing to work together. I, I know the, the detail that was spent and the hard work and time in order to determine the potential for space, the maximum use of that space, and the best possible opportunity to build this center. Uh, the Adult Enrichment Center, as I believe we've, we've discussed, and I'm very, very excited at this opportunity, and I support this fully. All right. Any other questions or comments? Go ahead. Um, I have a question for staff. Now, this $4 million, I have to tell you that the, the task force struggled with understanding how staff came up with this number, and was it sufficient? Um, and what if it wasn't, but staff explained that really it's a launch pad. It's, it's, it's an amount of money that they're comfortable with um, that they thought would be approved and would get us some kind of product. My question to staff is what if we get a product back on paper and we realize it is not meeting the expectations of the community? Well, council members, of course, the council can always put more money into into a project. But the 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 issue, though, is is that what what I'm recommending is what I believe is a fiscally prudent uh, budget to fund a senior center. Now, of course, it could be ten million dollars. It could be twenty million dollars. And and when we talked with the task force, what we talked about was that one, we're limited by size, and that's in the back of the civic center. And, and, and there are parking uh, considerations also. So you can't take the whole area because then you've got to park the senior center and you've got to park everything else. The other thing we're limited with is we, we have a world-class building here designed by a pretty much a world-class architect that we paid for. So whatever goes in the back there has to conform with the architectural style of the Civic Center. It can't be a wart in the back that's four stories tall. And so, and so, so, which, so there's a there's a compromise here between between those factors between the physical plant, the the budget that the city has available in order in order to maintain the financial health of the city, and the style that that we want back there. And then Maureen brought up another point, which was that we're currently doing a whole lot of senior classes without a senior center. And uh, we're using the Founders Hall, which is uh, a fairly large facility, the computers facilities at the library. And what this thing is going to be is going to be a complex. It's not going to be a standalone center because those classes are still going to be going on in Founders Hall 
and and throughout the city we don't want everything to go here because what about the uh, the west side of Calabasas so we will also continue to have senior programming going on in De Anza uh, as 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 we see the need we'll also continue to have senior programs at the Tennyson Swim Center and so what 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 this ought to be looked at is more or less is a is the hub of the senior programming in the city of Calabasas but it's a hub and we're going to be doing it programs here and programs throughout the city and and it, there's a balance but 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 your question roundabout is yeah. is that is that if there's ever if if we think that there's a need to add more money we'll come back and then the CFO can talk about the the you know the implications of that to the credit ratings of the city and all the other kinds of things. So in this component, there would be a, re, a re redesign. If it came back, um, is there something you can put in the RFQ? The other thing I'm not comfortable with is our projections of growth. We did some analysis, staff did, they looked around and they, and they came up with what they thought. In the RFQ, could we put in there that the the design and, and build team should project for us, do their own analysis. Can we build that into the contract so that we can see where we'll be at? That falls into, under having this expertise in building seniors centers. I also, I need to put m more information about projecting okay. the future. And that would then, when they take this $4 million and they um, design what we've, the guidelines we've given them, if they've done this projection, they can say, you know what, this is what you get for $4 million, but it really isn't going to be um, able to co accommodate the needs and the demands 10 years out. Um, that would be a very difficult thing to do. Um, you can certainly create a floor plan that shows a block area um, mapped out for future growth of the center. The question is what you would put in there. Uh, no one knows at this particular time. This task force went through an exercise that effectively said, um, what, are all the, um, what are all the things we don't have now that we would like in this new center? A very good example is the art room. Um, there's an example of something that, that you need one of. Um, you're not going to necessarily grow that over time. You're not going to need two or three of those. Um, but what you may do with that is operate it more frequently. Uh, frequency of operation is another way to grow your center without adding space. And so there's complex sets of issues here that have to be looked at not only from spatial needs, as an architect you look at spatial needs, but then there's how you operate those. So for example, you could offer art classes into the night and into the weekend. Um, that would be one way of growing your facility without having an, an inch of square footage. So in answer to your question, could we put that in there? Of course, but I think what you're going to get is a, um, a diagram that's going to show you where you could possibly grow, and it's certainly something we can talk to the architects with. I, I think it's an important piece that the task force struggled with was what kind of growth are we going to see? We've seen a tremendous participation and a demand um, in a short amount of time, what will it be like? 10 years, 20 years, when will it peak? When, I mean, will it ever peak? And it was difficult and challenging. So I wanted to share with you all that we didn't really know if $4 million would buy a, a place that would accommodate the future. 
Um, so my, my recommendation would be that we put something in the RFQ that requires the team to do some kind of analysis, some kind of projection of, and if they don't have the expertise, I'm sure they can contract it out, or we could do it separately. I, I just think it's a valuable piece of information that we're missing. Um, and then the task force also struggled with the four million. It seems fine, but we are not sure. And so um, we wanted to communicate to the council to be open that when it came back and it did not meet um, the needs that we maybe uh, look at redesigning it. And lastly, I want to address Martin. Who would have ever thought that you'd be up there advocating for taxes, Martin? I am shocked. Um, Martin is a gem in our community and is one of our fiscal watchdogs, and we value his opinions greatly. Um, but uh, the idea of a sales tax intrigues me, or some kind of temporary tax for funding, because if it's a funding issue that would keep the building, you know, uh, smaller than maybe we could use, um, I don't know. And, and we have our financial person. Um, do you want to talk about that, Tony, at all? Or? Well, California law doesn't allow. Sales it would have tax. to go to a vote of the people. No, California law doesn't allow no. municipalities to level additional. Not sales anymore. Tax. Not not even with a vote of the yeah. people. You can do an assessment. Okay. But you still have to go to the vote of the people. Right. I think that's yeah, very special creative. benefits. Councilman, like like we talked in the task force, it's important to get going on this thing, and and. We, you got to set a budget. When you build a house, you got to, you just don't say build me a house and, and you got to give the architect and the design team a budget. Now, remember what we talked about in the task force, that there's a 10% design, a 30% design, and then a, a complete design. And that those things come back and if at the 10% design phase, there are things that the task force uh, finds that, that we may want to add, then we can then negotiate with them to, to add that. My, my gut feeling is that in this site, four million is, is, will be enough for this portion. And we're really probably talking five, because when Maureen talked about those extra costs, that's another uh, million bucks that's gonna go into, into something like that. And th that, then anything above that impacts the general fund and impacts the borrowing capacity of the city or the, or, the, or the taxing capacity of the city. This is not an open-ended, I mean, there's constraints here, and all that I'm saying is that as we go through it, if it's important enough to add money to it, the council will have an opportunity to add money to it. But, uh, and, and I don't wanna be, but, but, but the growth thing, and to have an architect look at growth, that's a demographic study of the city. Now, if we wanna do a demographic study of the city, we tried to do that by comparing the, the usage in senior centers in cities that were much larger than ours. And for example, we looked at Thousand Oaks, we looked at Simi Valley, and we looked at other cities that have much larger populations, and we find out that to a large degree, we're currently doing as much as those cities are doing right now. But we can certainly look at it if the council wants to look, if the council wants to look at it. Thank you, and yeah. my, my last comment, because I don't want to dominate this, is yes, we did do a, a, a brief analysis of what's around us, but it, 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 I think we need experts to look. There's aging in place and seniors, there's a whole, a whole expertise in this, and I don't feel like we have it on the staff to make that important. So I would like either us to, you know, 
do it ourselves. The, the information would probably be not ourselves in-house, I mean contracted out to an expert or make that a requirement in the RFQ. Well, now I'm confused. We the building program is based on the surveys that we've done, the types of rooms and things that we want. So now you're talking about aging in place. So you're talking about are there other types of things that you want here that are not on this list? Or are you thinking that the rooms are not big enough because uh, James is going to be a senior and we're going to have additional people that need to get into the room? Well, that, I think that's a great question, and, and here's my response. The people that participated in our workshops, for the most part, drove themselves there, are active, are engaged right. already. I, I feel, and I've said it publicly in our task force, you know it, that we have to meet the whole spectrum of needs of seniors not just those who are going to classes and you know going out to lunch and, and engaged I don't have an expertise in it nor did anyone on this task force so that component of planning I think we need a little more guidance on all right because my understanding was we're building a center for active seniors um, we're not building a center for other types of there are clearly there's other types of, you know I'm on the board of the Jewish home for the aging we have a whole series of levels of different care and different types of activities, different types of needs. So I, I'm familiar with them, but that's that's not what I understand that we're doing, uh, both on, based on the past guidance from the council, but also on the information that I'm seeing tonight as to what's what's needed. So, and I'm sorry, Daphna isn't here, Dr. Gans, and I'm sorry she hasn't presented to this council. Um, yet, but what sh we've learned from her is it's important to keep our seniors at all ages engaged, um, whether it's coming to the senior center or, or providing um, advice. We really can't say, okay, you can't drive here anymore, you can't get on the bus. Well, we're not, we're you know, out of sight, out of mind. We're, we're not like that. So, um, I, I've been advocating that. My friends know this, and. And I think an expert could tell us if, if we're right or wrong. So you're, you're right. We, are, we, we do have the, 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 the majority of it, but there's just some finessing to do. Other comments by council members, questions or comments? Councilman Martin? Um, I see where Councilmember Maurer is going with this. And um, if I read correctly, there, there was a question on the survey board on whether or not you wanted it to be more, if you wanted counseling or you know wellness and all that, and that number was much lower as to what the seniors actually wanted. Um, I don't think that there's a problem in somehow trying to include that or look into that because that was a concern that I had when I was talking to the seniors. You know, they were no, no, active seniors, active seniors. That's you know what we are, but. Eventually, you won't be, and you may need that. Um, but I, I don't, you want to include that, but I, I don't think such, I don't want it to prevent what it is that we're actually trying to, to do and what it started out to be. Um, and, I, and I would like to, you know, um, when you said, you know, there's a 10% phase, the 30% phase that when those come up that you come back and report to us um, so that we do get a feel of if, if it's going to need, you know, if we are going to need to put more money into it um, and, uh, and what we need to do. But, but I think the, the survey really 
pinpoints what the seniors want and what they've surveyed for um, and I'd like to to see this go forward and add some of you know well there he's got it up there yeah and, and see the development David did you want to? Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro I'll just add I, I already indicated I, the only concern that as a council and as a task force would be future operational costs that we that would be something we need to figure out how to fund whether it's all kinds of ideas that we've had from the audience or other suggestions but as far as uh, proceeding forward and uh, starting this process I am all in favor and, and I thought as a group for the most part that was our position as well as a task force let me let me clarify I'm not I'm not trying to stall this at all I'm fully supporting of moving forward to this I want um, an expert to do the research on projecting into the future do we, James, do we know what the oh, I'm sorry what the cost of that would be the cost of what to have an expert well it's a little bit in front of you is the recommendation from the senior center from the senior task force now uh, if we wish to amend that then um, we but can do that four million is your staff's no that we, we we did that at the last and and, and yeah well we, yeah we had to throw a number there and put that and you're right it, it was a staff recommendation on the four million uh, I support that yeah and 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 so what what I you know in 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 good faith with all of this kind of stuff this will be an iterative process that designs will come but like Maureen said it's a matter of frequency and, and square footage of, of rooms and, and and some are single use and as the design takes place in the in the space that we get we have because it's not an unconstrained drill it's not like we have an open field that we can we have a little triangle in the back there that's 9,000 square feet of footprint and and the architects gonna have a heck of a job to do to meet all the criteria in the program and so it'll be coming back to the council on, on, on different occasions to modify this thing or to add more money or to and, and let me clarify it's not just the triangle I mean it might be a different configuration it could, it, so it, it could be this okay James did you have any comments I, I did um, I'll be very brief I'm not going to repeat what everybody said the staff should look at this as maximizing the space that we have we really one of the really the only regret I had in having the Civic Center at this location was that unlike Agoura Hills and Westlake Village, there's very little space to expand. And it was like the big drawback. And, and that was when we decided that was brought up. And unfortunately, we're going to have to live with that, that we have a very limited space. Whatever we do have back there, we should make sure that we build the maximum we can possibly build, because we don't want to do it twice. And we, we want to make it large enough for everybody. Um, Next, uh, we have to, I know these opportunities have become much more limited, but we should look at both public and private grant money opportunities. I, I don't know that anybody talked about that, but that should be a definite component here. Not that we uh, plan around getting it, but we should definitely try. And to the extent we can get it, it saves us some money. It may also allow us to uh, you know, build something slightly different if we know we're getting more money up front as far as timing goes I would remind everybody that this Civic Center project took 10 years from start to finish 
and that's really not an acceptable amount of time for the senior center. So, I, well, you'll be a senior. Well, I will be a senior by then. <laughs> but seriously, folks, when we started in 1998 with purchasing this land, we were thinking, ah, oh, we'll build it in a couple of years. Agoura Hills, I think, bought, and West Lake Village bought their land after we did, and they completed it way before we did. So I'm not saying that we, you know, there were reasons why we had difficulty, but there should not be a difficulty with this last phase of the project. It should not be a, a long-term project. Um, fundraising opportunities, again, let's make sure that we uh, go out in the community and we make sure that people understand if there are going to be naming rights, if there's going to be, that's a decision for the task force and the council, then, you know, that's something we need to, to look at very soon. We also need to remind people that they can donate money to the new project and advertise it as such. Um, and finally, um, as was touched upon, we have very limited powers as a municipality to tax. And in addition to some of the policy reasons why we might not want to exact or start the process of exacting taxes, we can't impose sales tax. We could, imp we could you know, go to the voters, but again, that's going to drag out the process significantly, and I'm not sure that would even pass right now. So let's not count on that or delay this thing for that purpose if we're going to even look at it at all. So those are my comments, and I'm supportive otherwise. Thank you. Um, I, I, uh, I support moving forward with this project. I think it's a very important project. I think the work that's been done has been outstanding and has, uh, and has uh, pointed us in the, in the right direction. I do have a couple questions. The $4 million we're talking about is coming out of management reserve. The management reserve total today is what? $4.9 million. The $4 million number is, is a phony number because it's $4 million plus those other items which run 20 to 33% in addition to the $4 million. So when you tell me, you, you, and if my percentages are off, they're off, but 20%, 20% well, you just said you thought it would be 25%. You thought it another million. That's 25%. Right. I just said 20 to 33%. Right. So we're in the same ballpark. So, but the real number is $5 million to start. start. If, it, of all the things we would need, under this contract. It's not $4 million, it's $5 million. I just want everyone to understand that. That other item of the things excluded, those are not free items. Right. That's another million dollars. So when, when we say we want to go forward with this today, we're saying one, we're doing $5 million, it, at least. You've already heard some people want to you know, expand. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody will want to expand at some point. Uh, I, I, one of the reasons that I, from day one, have said I want to do this, I want to do it now, and I'm committed to do it, is I knew we had a management reserve. This management reserve was a pot of money that we have really for special projects. It was sort of unassigned, un, uh, uh, and we could do with it what we want. And, I'm, and I was willing to spend a lot of it. In fact, I'm willing to spend all of it for this project, okay, that means zero for a teen center, zero for a pool, zero for, there are other things in the city that we can spend money on. Zero for, if there's an open space acquisition, zero to expand parks, there's a lot of things that we could use this money on. And I'm willing to say we're gonna use all this money and build this, the senior center. Having said that, I'm not willing 
have that be a launching pad for it to become a $6 million, $7 million, $10 million project. I am not. Uh, one of the reasons I'm willing to do this and do it now and do it fast is because the cash is in the bank, okay? I, if, if you told me we're going to do this, but we have to borrow a bunch of money, I don't know that I'm there, okay? If you, and I'm not there to ask the voters for, for additional taxes. I'm not there, okay? Um, and in fact, the least likely demographic a group to vote for, the, for additional taxes would be the seniors, okay? <laughs> as, as, as shown in every election we've ever had on any tax issue. Um, so I, I, I support this project, understanding it's not really four million, it's five million. Understanding that's about what I, I got 4.9 in the managed reserves, that's what I have in the bank, and that's what I want to spend. This, the process, now because of that, I'm willing to support this process which says design us a four million or, you know, it's really a five million dollar building, okay? And that may not get you every last thing that you want. It may not include all these things, but that's what I can pay for and immediately say, I like that plan, do it, here's the money, go, okay? Not searching for grants, not searching for fundraising, not waiting for a sponsor, you know, it's not easy to do. Our, our performing arts centers just went through that. No one stepped up with six-figure, seven-figure gifts uh, to, you know, to name the, these, the buildings. I mean, there were four-figure and five-figure gifts, but there were not six-figure and seven-figure gifts in our community of, of uh, comfort and convenience. Um, but uh, so I'm, I, I'm not waiting for that. So I'm willing to spend the money, but I'm not willing to go. Normally, I would prefer that we went through and said, we need this much of this, we need this much of this, and here's the square footage. Here's the building we want. How much does it cost? And they tell us it's 12 million. And we say, well, we don't have 12 million. And you start chopping. That's how I would normally like to do it. But I'm willing in this case to say, I got, I got $5 million burning a hole in my pocket. Give me a $5 million building and let's do it. So, and that's the proposal that I understand is in front of us. And that's what I want to do. But I don't want to, I don't want, I heard some comments tonight that concern me that this is, well, we'll get back the $4 million building and then we'll say, God, you know, wouldn't it be great if we had this addition, that addition? Be, uh, because I have, a, I do not have a strong willingness to, 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 like I said, take on debt, ask for other taxes, or start cutting into other programs or making the kind of decisions. I, I'm fortunate I can do this without, without having, all my park people line up here and say, don't cut us. All my library people line up here and say, don't cut us. Um, and everybody else in the city tell me, don't cut me to do this. Um, and as soon as we get to that, we're going to have big problems. So that's, I want everyone to understand that's where I am. I agree with this recommendation and I want to go forward. And I also think this recommendation gets us to ribbon cutting the fastest. And, uh, uh, which is where I, which is where I want to be. It won't be fast enough for me. I won't be mayor. Okay, but uh, but I, I hopefully I, I'll, I'll be if there. If we're slow enough, there might be another side. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, maybe I could be mayor for groundbreaking. We'll see. Um, anyway, uh, I believe there is a vote. So at this time, we I would call for a motion to uh, on the staff recommendation. I'll move um, that we approve the staff's recommendation for $4 million for a design to build um, product and adding that part of the RFQ would include that a team member have an expertise in 
previous senior centers. And I would like to add something about, um, and, and, and they, they include some kind of projection of what, what it would be capable of servicing. Um, I don't think that that's asking too much to know what we're getting and how many people it could hold and whatnot. That's my motion. Is there a second on that motion? Yes. You're seconding that motion? Yes. Okay, there's a motion and a second. Is there any discussion? Just a little clarification on what you're asking for in the RFQ as far as how that's going to be worded, what, what you're really looking for, if we're talking about a design of a building yeah. as opposed right. to and, what and, it will house for future asked, generations. Right. What I've asked for is someone that has experience in building senior centers because right. there are, it's a lot, it's a very different kind of building. Mm -hmm. And that person should know or have a sense of growth of our senior uh, population. They should know who they're building for. Um, I don't know how to articulate that. In the only but, concern. But, Council members, let me, let, me yeah. let me add a little bit uh, something here. A, a design team would bring on someone with expertise in a senior center. It doesn't necessarily mean that, for example, let's say that one of the uh, bidders is the ones who, who built this civic center. Uh, we, and they've never built a senior center before. So you, you don't necessarily want to disqualify that person, but they can bring on, or that uh, team, absolutely. but they can bring that's on, a, they, the yeah, team. they can bring on a, Listen, somebody it, in the team to do I it. I guess the point As long as you're clear. That, that's yeah. I'll make the recommendation that the RFQ include a member of the team have an expertise in building senior centers. I will remove an experience. Um, That's fine. experience, projection. Yeah. I guess the point I want to get across is I, we do not have the expertise in this staff that we have on our task force in gerontology issues, and that's missing. Um, but I'm, I'm sure we can recover that someplace else. So okay. that's so my motion. So will you state the motion again? So the motion is to recommend um, $4 million for the establishment uh, of a design build budget um, for a senior enrichment center and it, re it would require that one of uh, the team members have experience in building a senior center. James, you okay to second that? Yes. All right. I did have one question though that uh, I was reminded to ask by your question. Um, did, or I'm assuming we're going to interview these people. Yes, uh, what, a request for qualification is different than a request for proposal. Qualifications is we get qualified folks in, then we'll have a panel and develop criteria for which, uh, on which we will grade the, uh, the qualifications. Okay. And, and then the criteria, of course, it will determine in the end who we think has the best qualifications. Uh, but that, that'll be up to the Senior Center Task Force and, and whoever we put on the panel to uh, and then the council approves it too. And then the council can. So you're going to have an opportunity to interview those people about right. their level and extent of their qualifications. Yeah, that's good. Separately. Uh, you, you'll have a recommendation. Well, you'll have a recommendation from, it's just like we always do contracts. We'll interview and then you will have a recommendation from, from the body saying that the body recommends this particular candidate and then that candidate comes here and, and, well, and is subject to questions. And also so the community knows, unlike some of the other things that you mentioned where we take the lowest bidder, I mean the community will have a chance to participate in the public hearings and express their opinions exactly. as to the presentations of the proposed bidders. 
So it's no, not just I, 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 No, no, I don't think that that's what we're talking about. We're not talking well, about... Well, when we're, it's agendized, they but, can... No, no, we're, what, we're, we would be, what we would be doing is having a subsection of this task force conduct interviews based on the rankings of those proposers. So right, but then those it comes proposals, to the Then there would be a negotiation of the contract itself, and that contract, along with the name of the recommended proposer, would come to you, and at that time the criteria would then be established as to how the selection was made. So people will have access to the proposals, right. access to the scoring, access to understanding why Proposer A was top ranked to all of them, and the result would come to you at that But we had members point. of the public before come forward and talk about the different people who didn't, you know, during the council selection for the Civic Center process, long before. We, we can certainly do that, but that's going to add a significant delay to your process. The, 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 the members of the, what, that's why we had a fairly broad senior task force is because they are members of the public. Uh, and, but and these are all public hearings. That's all I'm saying. Is it? Uh, it doesn't have to be that the approval of the contract will be a public hearing. We'll have a staff the, report yes. that details how we got to the contract. But, but, but that's all I want to say. That's what he wants. That's what we'll do. I, I don't want to piddle with it. You know, that's what's going to happen. So. I mean, if the public has comments or if they have reservations about someone we've chosen, they can always express those yes. like they did exactly. before. Exactly. Okay. All right. We have a motion and a second. Is there any further discussion on the motion and a second? Seeing none, I'll call for a vote. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That is a unanimous vote in support. Thank you very much, and thank you to this task force and everyone else. Does the council wish to take a break? We're going to take a 10-minute uh, break oh, and be minutes. back at 9.25. Thank you.
session of the City Council meeting of August 28, 2013. We are on item number six. Presentation of 2013, 2014, 2015 city budget. And, uh, Your microphone's not on. And we'll turn to a staff report from the CFO, Dr. Gary Lysak. Yes. I did. I got it now. I have the August 14th date on there only because last time it was it was uh, uh, postponed till today, and so I want to let you know that nothing changed from the presentation uh, package that you had received earlier. The budget highlights uh, basically revolve around the general fund. Now, one of the attachments is indeed the entire budget, which is about 3,000 line items, represents about. 35 different active funds and then I take all these uh, different line items and uh, categorize them uh, and uh, consequently put this into about a 2018 or 20 page slide and so you know a lot of this detail now has been summarized for not just uh, this presentation and presentation to the remaining uh, council members that have already not discussed this uh, with me, uh, but also for the general public. The highlights on page two uh, indicate uh, indeed that we do have a balanced budget, and a balanced budget um, has a, a dual meaning. Balanced budget could mean that I have leftover money in the, in the uh, fund balance, in the general fund balance, right? So even if um, even if in one particular year I bring in 20 million but I spend 21, it's still a balanced budget by one definition if I still have money in the bank at the end. The other definition is if I bring in 20 and spend 20 or less, then that's balanced. Well, we indeed met both definitions of what a balanced budget is with this uh, particular budget. And in fact, the budget that is presented um, has about $3,900 left over. So, so we're bringing in a certain amount of money and we have still $3,900. So it is indeed balanced. Um, changes in revenue and expenditures from one year to the other. So the total revenue increased by a half of a million dollars or about 2.7% from last year's projected actuals. Last year, when I refer to last year, that would be June 2013. Uh, because our fiscal year starts in, in July, July 1st, and ends on June 30. And the total expenditure is increased by 1.1% uh, or $229,000 from last year's budget. Um, share of services remained unchanged at uh, $4.2 million and also includes $50,000 for the STAR Deputy. And the STAR Deputy, S-T-A-R, stands for Success Through Awareness and Resistance. Payroll and vendor services is another category that, uh, that the budget was uh, broken into. And uh, it increased by $136,000 from last year's budget. It includes a 2.03% cost of living adjustment, um, which is also called a COLA. So if we hear the, the acronym COLA or COLA, we're referring to a cost of living adjustment, which represents uh, inflation. And, and also merit step increases, which is a, normally a 2.5% increase for those employees um, who are not already at step 10 and who have also earned 
the right to have and the privilege to have a 2.5% merit step increase. Full-time employees citywide is, is 100, and that includes uh, council. The general fund is the lion's share of that at 87, which again includes council, so otherwise we would be at 82. Spending on capital projects for year one, that's what that slash means. Uh, year one is 5.3 million. Year two, the second year of this two-year budget, is $21.1 million, and the lion's share of that, the largest portion, is attributed to uh, the Lost Hills Overpass project. Um, this particular year, we created another fund. So if you looked at this budget last year, we didn't have a, a fund for transportation programs. This year, we do. It gives better visibility um, and, and, a, and a detailed look into the types of programs that the city currently has uh, in place for transportation and then where those sources of monies are coming from. Um, it is uh, balanced and it is just shy of a million dollars, point point nine, nine hundred thousand dollars for the city's transportation program. We have balanced library operations at almost two million dollars per year. And the total fund balance reserve at the end of the fiscal year 2014, the current fiscal year that we're in right now, is projected to be just shy of 20 million. And that represents a 94.5 percent reserve balance. The general fund making up the most of that, a little over $14 million. The management reserve says here 4.6. It looks like it's about 4.8 or 9 right now, I guess, with, uh, with uh, interest earnings being posted. And the uh, Civic Center Capital Replacement Fund at a $1 million. Now, just to refresh your memory, Council so many years back uh, mandated that we maintain 40% uh, general fund balance reserve. Uh, we're certainly almost double that, almost at a, or, or more than double that, almost at a 100% at reserve. General fund balance history looks like this over time when the city incorporated back uh, in 1991. 40% uh, reserve minimum is at $8.3 million number. And then the blue figures on your, on your uh, uh, screen represent historical data and then the the orange, the green, and the red one being uh, the forecast for the fiscal year ending 2013, uh, which has not yet closed due to, um, uh, you know, financial matters, us, us receiving monies and then us paying all the bills, and 14-15, uh, which represents uh, this two-year budget presented to you tonight. The budget summary for the general fund looks like this. Um, and I'll tell you what the, what the four columns are. The first column is the approved budget for last year. The second column is, is uh, the projected actuals for last year. And then the two colored columns there, 13, 14, and 14, 15, are the two columns that represent um, uh, the budget that is being presented tonight. So you can see what revenue has done. Uh, it was, uh, the budget was uh, just about $20 million. Uh, we should come in about a half a million dollars larger than what was in the budget. Um, for the next two years, it'll be 21.1 uh, million for total revenue, and then the next year, 23.8. And that uh, increase, again, is mostly due to the 15% administrative recovery for Measure R. Um, uh, expenditures, um, if I just go all the way down to the bottom, the approved budget was last year at 20.8 or $9 million. Um, we're going to finish about a whole million dollars less than that. So you gave the city the authority to spend 
um, and the city spent actually a million dollars less. And then the proposed budget will be $21 million in year one and 21 and a half in year two. And there's that $3,900 figure uh, that I spoke of earlier. So the revenue in year one just about equals uh, ex expenditures in year one. So I then try to just break down revenue, uh, identify the, what makes up that 21086400 number in the in the third column, and the uh, and then I put it in the order in which the greatest amount of revenue coming into the city uh, is at the top, and then uh, down to just about the lowest at the bottom there. Uh, sales taxes is about a third of of the revenue coming in, and then again about a third of that comes from the sale of new cars. So sales tax at six million dollars, utility user tax, and you can see the list right down. Uh, so in the first three, perhaps you got six, uh, nine, twelve, three hundred fifteen. I mean, fifteen million dollars is in like the first four or so. So those are the the big contributors in revenue for the city. To put it into a picture format, you can see this that uh, sales tax is a third, utility user tax and property tax make up the next third with basically everything else starting at automobile registration up to transfer tax and fines and forfeitures make the next third. So that is where the city's money comes from. Sales tax, utility tax, property tax, and automobile registration. Expenditures. The largest expenditure at the city is indeed payroll and vendor services. Uh, as with any company that employs people, people are expensive. Um, we can look again at the approved budget for last year at about $9 million, 8.991. And then the proposed budget that is presented to you this evening at uh, $9,400,000. And then you can see the breakout between salaries and how much benefits are. Uh, temporary employees, the 457 match, which is a 2% match of, of uh, people's salaries who uh, choose to participate in the uh, 457 and, and program. And Gary, on this slide, let me just stop you a bit. It, it's important for folks at home to know, because you hear about the, uh, the stuff in Detroit and Stockton and Vallejo and, 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 and cities that are going bankrupt and underfunded pensions and all that kind of... We, we, we are members of CalPERS. And what Gary's showing here is that we fully fund our pension obligation every year. So every year with this contribution, that's what we owe. And, and at the end of the day, when people retire, then CalPERS takes on the, uh, the, 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 the retirement checks. And the city uh, portion of that could fluctuate up and down depending on where people retire, how they retire, how much they got vested in it. But the point here is is that we, we always fully fund our pension obligations. And so there's no unfunded liability to the city in the pension plan. Uh, CalPERS may underperform their investment goals. And I believe that they had an under investment, they were investment goal of 8% and they really, and they got like 7.5 or, or something like that. And then they adjust every member's contributions to make up for that lower investment uh, performance. And so that's why sometimes we see an increase in, in, in our bill is because CalPERS is adjusting it. But it's important to note that, that we don't have an unfunded pension liability anywhere in the city. I'm, I'm sorry, Gary. 
That's actually a very good point because I have received uh, phone calls from the public uh, to that specific regard, so I'm glad that you clarified that. Um, if we go down to contractual services, you can see in last year's budget it was $5.6 million. We actually spent someplace around 5.1, and the budget will be about 5.4. So from budget to budget, contractual services is going down $300,000. You see some other areas that are going up, and the net increase is, a, is from 14,627 to 14,763. It's, uh, it's not that much. Um, of an increase. The expenditure summary by department, what I have done, and the only time that I can do this is during budgeting time, is to identify um, the total costs of, of every department at the city. And so to put these into some sort of a graphical representation, which is easy for people to see, I put numbers next to them. Uh, general simply means um, uh, that it doesn't pertain specifically to any one department like finance or community services, community development, public works. Uh, it includes things like uh, uh, the sheriff services. It includes uh, insurance. Um, oh, not no, it does not, not insure. No, 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 no. Sheriff is should be there someplace, isn't it? Law enforcement yeah, is law right enforcement. there. It includes uh, insurance, uh, things of that nature, uh, utilities. Things, things like that. So when you look at something, finance, for example, uh, cost a city a million dollars per year. That's a CFO salary. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's all my salary and my benefits, correct. <laughs> Not even close. Basically, I do this stuff for free. Um, the programs funded in this budget in prior years used to be called uh, discretionary spending items, and it's not really discretionary the more I think about it, and I don't know why I called it that before, because the city is in the business of, of, of receiving tax and then providing services to the, to the community. And so they're not necessarily discretionary. They are something uh, somewhat discretionary in that council can make a determination as to whether or not they want to put on a 4th of July event. So in that regard, yes, it is. But what I have done is I have listed those sort of programs that are funded in this budget. And, uh, they add up to about $759,000. And then I listed next to them, um, uh, these are new improved uh, charts, I think, uh, um, James had asked for this last year. He says, well, I want to know how much each specific program is bringing in, in in revenue. And so if we look at the 4th of July, it's expected to cost around $67,000. We're going to receive about $35,000, and then the net cost to the city will be thirty-two to put on that event. That's how you read this chart. So all of these programs are in there, um, and if you wish, we can come back to that, talk about it, um, and... Uh, um, can, otherwise, can, can I'll just you, move can on. You go, go, go back go a because I, I think on the first one, the contributions to others, it's important to note that what, what that one is, is $250,000 that we award to the PFAs, PFCs in two types of grants, a, a, a Title I grant uh, and, a, uh, and a block grant to each of our schools. And it also includes a $25,000 grant that we give to the Rotary for our Neighbors in Need program. And the Neighbors in Need program is pretty unique, uh, and that is that the Rotary acts as our agent so that if we have any Calabasas resident that uh, falls on hardship, can't pay their light bill, can't pay their uh, uh, whatever, 
they go to the Rotary, and then the Rotary interviews them, and, and we provided money for the Rotary to do that. And, and we did that so that we didn't do the old uh, grants at the council where people came in and asked, uh, and sometimes it be, could become political. Uh, and th that has worked out very well, and I just want to thank the Rotary for, for executing that program for us, and it's worked uh, extremely well. For, and then they provide us a report at the end of each year on who they have, what, they, what it's gone to, and uh, it's uh, pretty instructive to go look at some of those things uh, and, and what they uh, contribute money to. Is there some reason that we lump this into con contributions to others instead of just pointing out that what do we call it? Community we could, care. We could. Or uh, we could. We could. We could. Twenty-five thousand and and grants to PFCs community, community, or grants to schools. We, we we could do that. There's other there's other ways to lump it, and we've we've got we've taken excursions, for example, into how well we support our schools because a, a large portion mm -hmm. of the transportation program right. is is in direct support of the school, of the schools. A portion of the sheriff's program, the school resource officer that we provide, Sheriff Mark Marino, who is uh, paid for by the city to be full-time at the high school and the middle schools, uh, making sure that, that, that things are okay. That's paid for by the city, and no other city in this area uh, does anything like that. So if you would like, at some point, specific breakdowns, we can, we can, right. we well, can do that. I wasn't asking for those other things to be moved from their departments, but in the, on this chart, I don't see why the public shouldn't understand that right. it, this is pretty well established now. We do 25000 for the... Yes. Community chest we'll or whatever. What, what do you call it again? I'm sorry. Uh, neighbors, it neighbors, neighbors, neighbors in Need program. Neighbors in Need. But it's it's the Monopoly Board community in chest. I mean, that's what it is, which is wonderful. And then I, I do want them to see that, that $250,000 is grants to the to the PFCs. You and know, then that, the commitment I want to be clear for someone reading the budget that we're doing that. And the commitment of the council to that program has been uh, something else. When when the city was in a in a in deficit spending, uh, no one ever thought of cutting back on the on the PFA PFC uh, grants that we were doing because schools are important. Anyway, for next time the budget's presented, I'd like to see that. Uh, or or. You know, it could be changed as soon as it uh, can be changed. I think it sure. we will adds transparency and, and clarity to the use of the fund. Capital improvement projects. Um, again, this is a two-year budget, and in the first year, 13-14, uh, the city will be spending $5.3 million. Those are the list of the projects in which uh, the city will be spending. In the center two columns, it identifies for 1314 the funding sources um, for that. So, for example, if I look at uh, rubberized overlay, there's a, the design portion of that, spending $30,000 in the budget in, in year one. And zero dollars are coming from the general fund, they're coming from other sources. Right? And, and um, the other sources for all up and down here would be uh, Prop A, Prop Z, Measure R. Uh, we're not using any gas tax this year, AB 939. Different funds that the city currently has. And so the only one that the city will be spending general fund money on is uh, tree planting. And year after year, that is about the amount that the city pays for tree planting, and, and all of that money comes from the general fund. 
on this chart you can see on the 1415 it, it drastically jumps from about the five million dollars up to the 24 million dollars and again you can see that 20 million of it is directly associated with the Lost Hills overpass and interchange and uh, that uh, I put right next to it where the funding source of that is and that's uh, measure our money and so you can you can just see what the city's capital improvements are and then where the sources of those funds are coming from I have a question on that uh -huh. um, Mulholland Highway design Paul Revere mm -hmm. 2.5 million dollars um, I'm assuming the design work is nearing completion and that is construction uh, yes that, that's that's and, more than and, just go, go and then can you give us a timeline when that starts to unfold the only delay we have is coordination with city of LA mayor Gaines agreed to assist me to meet with the new council member as soon as that's done I'm expecting next summer as soon as the schools are over to start the construction on Mulholland we're trying to do all our project during summer we have a measure our we have a measure our project measure our of course was the was the tax the quarter uh, percent sales tax addition that was passed and from that have come a lot of very good projects uh, to the city we have this one in the hopper which is Mulholland this is to extend the look of Mulholland from uh, the Paul Revere uh, towards Gelson's and put a median in there work the shoulders so that, so that it looks fairly nice uh, we've had one uh, design workshop Robert with with the greater Mallwood folks one design workshop that correct we had uh, and and we will have and we will have another one the two the two million five hundred thousand is the cost of the project correct that is correct that's, that's just not design and 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 what Robert was alluding to was that the city of LA at the very end of Gelson's there's that cliff where the rock is which is the, in the city of LA and part of our project was to extend the road and the look all the way past that and then the city of LA was asking us to pay them around forty thousand dollars for plan checks and inspections and all total it was like about sixty thousand dollars out of this was going to come and what uh, and we had talked to uh, Councilmember Zine's office and he had not been very supportive of that the new council member we're going to have a, a, a meeting with Fred and us and we're going to go see him down there and hopefully they'll waive their costs so that so that we can use our money to fix their city. <laughs> Great. I'm sorry. When did you say construction will begin after school's out next summer? That is my projection. I thought you asked when we're going to start a construction because this project has been going on. If you recall, it's a continuation of Mulholland Master Plan. This project was in place. The master plan was updated. Uh, phase one and phase two is built. This is almost last phase of continuation, exact same design, center beautification, site landscape, and all that stuff. The mature trees on the other, the, the, the landscape portion of Mulholland Highway are beautiful. It really looks nice. Maybe you should um, let Steve Holzer know that this is cut around the bend. This is exciting. It's been a long time coming. Yes, the Greater Mullet Homeowner Association is following it closely and ask Good. us at virtually every meeting about uh, uh, when this is uh, when this is coming and it's a little more specific I reported to them that I thought construction was going to start in 14 but it makes sense to certainly do it during the summer if, as much as possible correct still will be 14 hopefully yeah what about the um, signal at Parker Pre and Park Renata 
That is under construction right now. We are waiting for the polls. I'm expecting within next two months that signal would be up and functional. Okay. All right, let's finish the staff report and then, uh, then we can get to council questions and we do have public speaker. Information that uh, I I think is useful. It's uh, good. Good. <laughs> is this eye chart? Good. Yeah, this is an eye chart. We can make it a little larger, uh, you know, so that people can see. But the city basically, uh, I put this here to say that the city has 35 active funds. These are the funds, and then that, and then in the very first column in in the blued section, uh, this one, it's it's the projected fund balance as of June 13. And, and so you'll see that at the end of it over here, the city has about $35 million. In this, in this upcoming year, the year that we're currently in, the revenue uh, is expected to bring in about $50 million, and we're going to spend total out of all funds uh, about $48.5 million, uh, bringing the total amount of money in all funds, across all funds for the city, um, that I manage and invest uh, $36 million. And it's important to, to know that all of these different funds, the one that we talk about most often is a general fund, and the reason for that basically is because the general fund is the money that we receive from, from taxes and fees for services and things of that nature, and it is the money that is used to run the city's day-to-day -day operations, all right? Every other fund here has a, has a very specific purpose. Oh, and, and in the general fund, you can tell us where to spend the money, you know, how to spend it, if I want to give it to the school district, if I want to pave more roads, whatever it is that I want to do. The rest of these funds are either special revenue funds, capital funds, debt, funds. debt service funds, they're special assessments, right? Uh, uh, they're enterprise funds, and uh, the enterprise fund that the city has is the tennis and swim center, and uh, agency funds, which means that I hold money for somebody else. Those are monies that are a little bit less under uh, anyone's real control. We receive them for a specific purpose, and we have to spend it on those things. A, uh, Prop A, Prop C, Measure R have very uh, specific reasons why we receive that money and on what we can spend it. And I'm going to brag, keep it there, I'm going to brag a little bit on, on, on Gary. So one of the jobs that Gary does for us that, that, that a lot of cities don't have that talent and capability is the ability to invest our balance in the general of, of the general fund that that thirty six million dollars that thirty six million dollars sits and makes interest for the city, and Gary, what what was LAFE paying? The the LAFE is like the checkbook that most cities deposit their money in with the state of California, and how much was that paying? Yeah. Uh, one quarter of one percent. And 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 generally, our portfolio in the city that you've invested is making what? Um, well, the latest uh, that we invested about. Five million dollars is earning four point two percent, and and so it is a and, and 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 that comes from a search. Gary comes up and knocks on me on the on the door and says, "Hey, I just found this bond that's out there that's paying <laughs> so much. How much how much should we invest in it? And then and then and then and then we make the investment decision based on what we think we need for cash flow and what we think we can invest." Uh, to make money, and then that, the, the entire investment portfolio then gets divided into all of the funds. So all of the funds make a share of whatever the entire uh, fund is making that, that, that we're investing. 
some of the ones where you see some negative numbers, they pay whatever the investment uh, portfolio is bringing because the city in essence is extending a loan to that fund so it's more than you want to know but all I wanted to say is a part of Gary's job that we don't normally talk about is this whole investment and and keeping track of the city's money and where it can be put uh, to make the most money for the city and how risky are these investments Gary well if you were to put it on a, on a scale of, of one being low risk and 10 being high risk, it would be 12, no. It, 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 would, it, would, it would be very close to zero because these are, uh, we invest in, in government-backed uh, securities, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Federal Home Loan Bank, Federal Farm Credit. All of those are AAA insured, backed by the federal government. So if Obama does something and we don't have any more money, and uh, there's our risk, uh, right? So it's, it's really backed by the federal government. The only thing about these, I don't know if you remember, about a year or so ago, I came to you asking you if I can invest in, mm -hmm. in callable securities. Uh, callable securities at that point in time, about a year or so ago, became kind of sort of the new norm, uh, which, which means that I invest in there, and after a certain period of being non-callable, which means that they have to give me the percentage rate that I invested in, uh, say that it's non-callable for one year, uh, after a year, if they so choose and they see it financially beneficial for them to do so, they can actually return the money back to the city. Um, we can always grab our money out of these investments, um, but we would have to pay some sort of an early withdrawal penalty, really. Um, and, and so the only risk to investing in, in a security that, that has uh, uh, a period of time before I can take it out is that if indeed you guys want to build two senior centers or three, see, which is why I need to know what the cost is and what the amounts of money that you guys are going to need so that I know what to invest, what not to invest, how liquid you guys keep your funds so that you can do what you want to do. But, but yeah, the risk is, is, is extremely low. Citywide full-time uh, full equivalent headcount, and I call that an FTE, so it's a full-time equivalent. And what a full-time equivalent, if I have two part-time guys, they're both here 50% of the time, that's one FTE, right? So half of a person and half of a person equals one person. And so in this regard here, uh, the full-time equivalent heads working at the city across all departments and across all funds is 130.45. Now certainly we have more people on the payroll than that, uh, but the FTE equivalent is only 130. So some people only work, there was somebody last year that only worked four hours. Is that a head, right? Is that one person because he was on my payroll? No, he only worked four hours in the whole year. So he was like 0, .00 something. So anyway, 130, and then you can see the breakout. The general fund has a lion's share. Um, and the city council is five, we're, we're each a full-time equivalent? You are. I do count you as a full-time equivalent. You guys are here at least uh, knocking on my door uh, 40 hours a week. <laughs> I mean, I... Divide your stipend by, by a full-time number of hours, and it's about 50 cents an hour. That, yeah. that, well, actually, that it's much? misleading, and, you know, that someone would say, oh, you have 130 employees. Well, I mean, five of them are the council members who make 
Indeed. you know, $500 a month and Indeed. are clearly not full-time employees of the city. But um, in, in years past, uh, and this was pre-me, they didn't count you as, in, as employees, but yet I paid you like an employee, right? I gave you benefits like an employee. I, I did things like you were an employee, and it, and it messed up my system, so I just put you in there. Okay. okay. The, the, the council gets full-time as if you were benefits as if you were full-time. Yes. Okay. So that's what the full-time equivalent headcount looks like for the city. Uh, revenue expenditure report for Creekside. This was something last year and maybe started the year before that. We decided to put it back in here again. Uh, I believe the council had said, hey, look, you need to be someplace around 85%. Uh, and it would appear that, uh, indeed, Creekside is going to show up at about 85%. With total revenue coming in, most of it coming from preschool registration, and it's, these are numbers that are in the budget right now, uh, $931,000, and then the expenditure is going to be uh, $1,088,000, leaving a net loss of 157 or 85.6%. This thing here I thought was important. Uh, it may be the last slide. It's the second to the last slide. Um, Citywide full-time employees by step. Now the city has employees and they fit them into these categories and each of these categories has 10 steps and at the 10th step after the 10th, there is no 11th step. So then you don't get a 2.5% merit increase. And so on the first slide, if you can recall, I said that in this budget is a 2.03% cost of living adjustment and a step merit increase for those who deserve it and who are not already at step 10. Well, 48 people are already at step 10 or will be this particular year. So roughly half of the people, the only increase that they will see in their salary will be the 2.03 cost of living increase. And if you don't approve a 2.03% cost of living increase, then the employee is basically worse off in, in, in his ability to purchase. His purchase power uh, has gone down 2.03% uh, from the prior fiscal year. And, and while we're talking on, on the, the COLA, um, it's 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 a mechanism that's used throughout the government. For example, the the property taxes uh, automatically are increased uh, two percent per year. The the our, we have our landscape maintenance fees that we charge to the HOAs, which we tag to the same cost of living increase because the council wanted to make sure that we got revenue so that the performance or, or, or the services that we provided uh, didn't, didn't decline. Uh, we've got the, the, the fees at the Tennis and Swim Center now, now tagged to, uh, to a cost of living increase based on the Southern California. And, and similarly, the salaries, uh, we, we did not do a cost of living increase the time that the city budget was really, really uh, in deficit two years ago. And then last year we were able to, to give one, and as you saw with our budget, we, we ended the year black. And then th this year uh, I'm requesting of the council that we do the 2% uh, the, the uh, cost of living increase for all employees. What Gary's telling you with the 48 employees there is that of the 187, I think we said it was 87, correct? We're talking here with the 87 that, that are, it, this 100? Okay. That, that 48 of them uh, can no longer, are, are at the top of their salary range and no longer will get the 2.5% increase. And so uh, the, the increase that they will get is to maintain their, their salary at the same level and purchasing power that they had, that they had the year before. 
and 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 as with this is also a testament to the city and people not leaving the city because what, what this shows is a long-term trend of employees staying with the city moving through the steps and and even after they're maxed out deciding to stay with the city because it's a great place to work uh, can you guess where council's at step 10 step step one there are those <laughs> are the five five <laughs> I, by the way, came in here in 2003. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have a 10-year revenue trend and forecast. This was a chart from uh, last year, and you just wanted to see what the trend of revenue uh, looked like from year to year. And you know that the Great Recession, as they call that thing, started in uh, uh, September of 07, ended in December of Oh, nine. It was it was something like that, and so you can see that the you know we weren't immune to um, uh, the conditions that were per, you know present at that time. And you can see the revenue going down. Uh, you know certainly with a little bit of a delay, uh, starting in nine and then ten and then kind of sort of rebounding, and uh, every indication indicates that certainly we're out of a recession. That revenue should start going. Uh, up at the level that is projected here, mostly seen in sales tax and uh, property tax. That's all I have. That's it. Questions, comments? Okay. Um, would be time for council. Any questions on the staff report? Then we'll go to our public comment and then we'll come back to council for discussion and action. Any uh, questions at this time? Uh, Councilwoman Martin. No. Oh, I thought you were indicating. Anybody else? Yes, Councilwoman Mauer. Um, I have a question and a comment. Creekside is operating at a deficit of 157,000 this year, and we always take a look at the ratio of residents to non-residents. And do we? I know the school year just started. Jeff, do you know what that looks like yet? Or if not, could you just let us know? when you do find out. It's staying customary where it has in the past about 70-30, so 70% residents, 30% non-residents. Do, do you? And remember what, what? I had a question on that. Do we look at the non-residents to find out if they're employees of, um, of businesses or employees of school district employees or, you know, if they have other relationships with the city? Yeah, some of them are. Right, because I believe beyond the 70%, you go into the 30 and you would find that some of them are children of, of people who work in the city. Yeah. Um, and uh, so just, just so people are aware of that. And, and non-residents are still paying that higher tuition. That right, was, and, that was, and we'll, need to, we'll review fees again uh, probably at the beginning of the year. So. That was the idea when council said that they were willing to operate at a deficit. It wasn't to operate at a deficit with non-residents. And so... We, we, we have a non-resident fee that we charge 10% more, generally, because they're different programs, but about 10% more to, to non-residents than we do to residents. Mm -hmm. And then my only other comment, um, the, the city manager raised at one of our senior task force meetings a, a good suggestion that I just wanted to um, put out there. I don't know that it, it uh, needs to go in the budget right now. Um, or if it can come out of the, uh, the management reserve. 
but the need for a senior master plan. Understanding, as I tried to express earlier in the discussion about the center, we really don't have a sense of, of our seniors' needs or, or the, what kind of demand there will be in the future, what about now, everything from quality of life in the senior center to you know, pushing buttons to get across the street and making sure they slow down, closed caption. Um, there's a whole host of, of things that other cities are doing to prepare for the seniors they have now and the projected seniors. And so this master plan idea would help us understand the scope of needs and, and how to start planning better. So we don't, we, you and I talked, we weren't sure what that cost would be, but I just want to let you know that we discussed this as a, a future item. All right, I'm going to ask the council to limit for the time being to questions on the staff report so we can go to public comment and, and then come questions. back with um, discussion. No questions. Any questions? All right, I do have one speaker card, and that is Pam Evans. Pam, welcome. Hi. My name is Pam Evans. I run a website called valleyhomecenters.com. I've been a resident here for way too long, 12 years. I've watched this place go up. Um, and I think this budget is a pretty good budget. I have an MBA. I'm the one who's been asking questions. I do have questions and concerns about only two or three things, even after the presentation. One is that I feel that capital improvements shouldn't be something that we have to fight about so much to get them done, and that there should be an adjustment amount for some things. For over 12 years, Bay Laurel has been asking for pathways and things to get up to the school. We try to get them done, but we have to always come back, get money. I look at that and think, why don't we do a little bit more best case, worst case scenario? I want to also point out to you over $3 million is a utility tax, which is a voluntary thing from our citizens. If we have $36 million in reserves, do our citizens really need an additional tax? Um, thirdly, the preschool. My college girlfriend runs the head of Irvine's. They get paid money from their preschools to run it. Our charity program, our contribution to others is $20.83 per student. Jeff, could you tell me how many students are at that preschool? You, you can direct your questions through, through, the, uh, through the chair. Okay, how many students are at that preschool? We'll, we'll, we'll ask staff when you're when we go back so to divide that by $157,000 and tell me what that's costing me as a citizen. The seniors deserve more attention. As someone who works with them, there's not enough housing for them for single-story level homes. We need to consider more things for seniors. We need to look at what we're doing with a preschool that costs all of our citizens that much money. Thank you. Thank you very much. I don't have any other cards. Is there anyone else that wants to make any public comment on the budget? If not, I'm going to close the public hearing and come back to the council. Are there further comments, questions, or a motion uh, at this time? I, ju I just had one question. Yes, Mayor Pro Tem Shapiro. Uh, Dr. Lysak, uh, and what are your thoughts in looking at this or any suggestions you might have uh, going forward on ways the city might 
increase revenues. I know I asked this, I believe, last time to you as well for future years so that we might have those additional funds that we might need. Any suggestions you have after reviewing this that would help us increase with regard to revenues? Well, I think <laughs> you put me on the spot. Um, there, there, are, there are quite a, quite a few items, you know, but they've been discussed by council and by the public before. Certainly, I don't think it's a, it's, it's, it's not a secret, frankly, that, that I would say cell tower revenue is actually good. Cell towers are coming into the city whether we want them to or not, right, whether people are happy with them or not. And if they come, they should be someplace where the city can get money. Um, I, I think, you know, with sales tax being one of the largest contributors to the city's budget, we should do what we can do to make certain that businesses, all businesses, not just the large ones, but certainly the large ones have a bigger impact, uh, have a fighting chance to make money. And, and so you think of ways for our, our, uh, our uh, auto dealers to, to, to be successful, uh, you know, either through having a larger inventory lots or someplace where they can put their cars or to have signage at some place along the 101. But each of these has pros and cons, right? You know, you can get more money, but then you have signage, right? And you can get more money, but then you may have cell towers on, on public property. You can think about metered parking. You can think about raising the TOT tax rate, except I think you can think about it, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. And I bring that out because it came before and, and said, hey, you know, should we have it and should we at least talk about it? But um, the more I thought about that and the more I talked with um, in fact, today, uh, what was the gentleman's name um, from the Anza? Uh, his, 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 hmm? uh, his big thing was if we change it from 12 to 14 percent, you say, well, yeah, that may be good, but people like B of A may choose to not, no, you know, no longer contract with the hotels in the city and they may go elsewhere uh, where, you know, where it would be more, more competitive for them to pay. Um, you can update a fee study, uh, you know, and we've been looking at fees for uh, for some time. But but each of these, there's they're hard, uh, you know, they're hard decisions, and and it's just things, you know, that you try to do what's right and you try to do what's best for the city, bring in more money so that you can provide more services, but you certainly don't want to hurt people as well. So each of these have to be just addressed, um, I think. Uh, very gingerly, very, uh, you know, aware of who they're actually going to impact. Okay. And thank you. One last question. What, if we have any now, what percentage of our investments are in callable securities, as you mentioned earlier? Uh, Tony and I have decided someplace around 50%, uh, and, and that's where we are. If we find something that is good, and we do talk about it, whether or not it's uh, something that we want to invest in at, at this particular point. Um, then we do, uh, and it can go a little bit higher than 50%. Uh, but we try to be, you know, again, in a position where we have cash availability should you want us to spend money, right? And, and, and so I'm aware of that. I have to pay payroll, have to pay sheriff services, have to pay insurance, uh, and I need cash to do that. So I try not to go certainly too much more than 60%. Thank you, and thank you for the excellent report. Appreciate it. Any other council members? Um, I, have a, I have a few comments. First of all, this is a day of tremendously good news for our city. 
after four years of having expenditures exceed revenues, coinciding with the economic downturn, we just completed a year where, we, where revenues exceeded expenditures, where we had actually budgeted for another year, for a fifth year of, of a deficit spending, yet through uh, an improvement in the economy and through a reduction of expenses, we've come out with a year in the black. So we finished, and we're now able to budget into the future in, uh, in the black. So uh, this, is, this, is, this is great news. Uh, it's, it, this is, what, of course, what we want to do. But uh, it also shows that the planning that went into building the reserves so that the years when we did have the downturn, there was barely a citizen that noticed that we had made budget cuts uh, in, in our city, that we had as much as a 15% decrease in city revenue. They would not have noticed it from the services they were getting, from the look of the city, uh, and uh, this, this, the, 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 all the forethought of all the people who came before us and members of this council who were here who put together those revenues for those times uh, of the staff and um, uh, paid off and we were able to go through that period of time with cuts, with our employees not taking raises, with uh, a hiring freeze which eliminated some of our, uh, of our employees but without anyone being fired, without anyone being furloughed, without anyone being reduced in hours. Um, this, is, this is a success story in a time when you've seen many other uh, jurisdictions in the state have much, much more difficult times. Um, and so it's a great credit and, and to be out at the other end of the tunnel. This is the light at the end of the tunnel, the light you see. And it's, um, it's, it's excellent news. So congratulations to everyone, really. And thank you to our employees for staying with us and, uh, uh, and working through this. And, and I hope that you know, we have many years of, uh, of positive uh, budgets to come. So that's, that's, I hope, the story that comes out, the main story that comes out of this, um, this budget. We did, the, your budget liaisons, Councilwoman Martin and I did work with the, with, uh, the CFO and the city manager and got, went through this. Um, had some suggestions, talked about some things that may come back at a later time. You know, should we be running the trolley around town empty? Should we, you know, what are, are there other options for doing things? We d those kinds of things did come up and will, they'll come back uh, through the process, through the commissions and us through, through, uh, through the, course of the, uh, the course of the year. Um, I'm very pleased that we're able to give our employees this year a, uh, a cost of living increase. They deserve it. And, uh, and I'm pleased that we're, uh, that we're able to do that. Um, on the revenue side, some of, you, some of you are aware that I'm on a little bit of an awareness campaign uh, myself on this. If you, at, my, at the Chamber of Commerce speech, I talked about being conscious of revenues. Um, you know, we had a city that, as you saw from the chart, the revenues went up for the first 15 plus years and we didn't have to do too much about it. Um, but we do have to think about it as we go forward. And yes, you can tinker with certain things. You could sell a cell tower site if you wanted to do that. Uh, uh, or you could um, you know, adjust fees and so forth. But where, where do we get our, if you look at where we get our, our numbers, it's from sales tax and, uh, and property tax and, and TOT tax um, and utilities tax. 
Some of those we have some utilities tax and a lot of control over. People are going to use the utilities. Um, the more expensive the utilities are, the better off we are. We get, uh, we, we do better, even though it's the number one complaint I get going around town is the water bills and the electric bills. But the areas where we do control would be sales tax and TOT tax. And when we're, and one of the, part of the presentation was we're down to literally the last five or six parcels in the city that are going to be developed of any significance. Um, and I'm not talking about planning or zoning. The plans are in place. The zones are in place. But as proposals come to us, we, need to, we do need to think about how does that affect our future revenue. Because those five or six are going to be developed. Let's say the economy's back. We had a five-year period where we didn't see any major development projects. Now we're going to see them. And those five or six could be done in the next five years. And you'll have, you have zero new places to get revenue. So I hope as we look at those projects, we look at them, and, and look, private people are bringing us what they think the market will bear, but we have to also think how does, the chances of increasing revenue in any significant way are, do we have another car dealership or two? Do we have another hotel or two? Do we dedicate a whole prop, prop property to residential and not include a retail component that'll produce sales tax? Um, so these are things that, uh, that I'm talking to the public about. Um, uh, I've been going out to homeowner associations, making the same. And surprisingly, it's not, there's not a yelling, screaming response. It's not like, oh my God, there's going to be more development. When you lay it out saying, hey, we already have a general plan in place, nothing, you know, one of the advantages of the way we've developed the city is you can turn to people and say, do you like the way the city developed? Do you like the commons? Do you like our business corridor on the west side? And most people say, yeah, it's, that's okay. I go, well, that's what we do. We're not building skyscrapers and things, but we do have to keep track of these uses because that's really our chance to have that income. And once we're locked in, we're just going to be locked into whatever our inflationary adjustments are, but there's not going to be opportunities to, um, to do that. And, and even to run the programs we run now, we're going to need to have increasing income, let alone, as was pointed out earlier today, there's, there, there will be increasing needs in many areas. And there are, of course, things that we still don't do. So anyway, something to keep, um, to keep uh, uh, in mind as we, as we go forward. And I think that the budget points out. It goes somewhat to the Mayor Pro Tem's question about revenue. With that, I do urge uh, the adoption of this uh, budget. I think it's a good budget and um, uh, well thought out. And I would uh, seek a motion in that regard. No. Well, uh, tomorrow, uh, next meeting next is meeting. the first. This, this was an information briefing. Okay. Next meeting will. So this will. is not an action item tonight. It's a discussion item, but we will have um, a motion for approval of this budget. We have no amendments or changes mm -hmm. coming from the council tonight. Any further comments? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lysick, and everyone who was involved. Thank you for coming twice, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right, we are on item number seven, discussion of resolutions before the League of California Cities annual meeting on September 7. Well, and uh, call on I, Councilman Bazaja. Um, first of all, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to go to the business session where these are voted on <coughs> because, of course, my age has been discussed all night. I'm having my 30-year high school reunion that weekend, so... Um, I won't be able to stay for it. Is anybody going to actually go to this if I don't go? 
Mary Sue, I thought yes, you were I going am. to be yeah. there on Friday for this business session. We had signed you up to be the representative. I, I am the alternate, yes, yeah. but I didn't know James wasn't going. So um, it's Friday the 7th at what time? I, I'm, I'm September 20th, oh, and I think oh, it's... Oh, yeah, that I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I am going up. You're okay. not going up that week? Taft High, okay. class of 1983. You know what? This this item okay. is actually incorrect. It says a m annual meeting on it's September wrong. It's got 7th. the wrong date on okay. it. It's That's September right. 20. So, yes, yeah. you're rightfully confused. Thank <laughs> you. As but opposed in summary, to just having looked, generally confused. Having looked at these resolutions and gone to these meetings in the past, I'll just tell the council very briefly. Um, these are the only two resolutions submitted by cities prior to the meeting. Uh, they first have to go through committee over the weekend of the convention. They may not even make it through the committee, but assuming they do, they're very general, like almost non-committal resolutions. Um, I would call them feel-good resolutions. They just say, you know, help improve the water system, help improve the realignment. We should probably vote, in f I mean, my recommendation would be to vote in favor of them, but they don't really do a whole lot. In terms of well, meat. we would entertain a motion in that regard. I moved that we uh, ask instruct the delegation to vote uh, yes on the two of them, assuming there are no major changes or amendments. Is there a second? I second. Moved and seconded. Just one question for James. James, historically, do we just give the delegate the power to be able to vote on these and yes. participate? Mm -hmm. uh, does that need to be part of the motion, or is that just generally? You're not going to be there. Mary Sue is, is well, actually intending to be there, so she'll be the representative. Did you have to execute a written instrument? We did that already. Did you, you put you? We put you as the representative, and we put and Mary Sue as the alternate. Okay, then that's because I knew I was not going to be able to attend the meeting. I'll go to the booth and tell them she's going to be coming in anyways, okay. and just to double check. But, but she as has long authority on behalf of the council to yeah deal with amendments. Yes, and she'll and, check in and do, yeah. do that, get a free lunch. And, and if then. it's modified on the floor, then the delegate ought to have the, the leeway, yeah. the leeway to said. use her judgment to vote. There's no such That's thing as a free motion. lunch. We paid registration yes. fees for the conference and paid for the lunch, so. But I, I move, make the motion to vote yes on both. Okay, second. any discussion? Okay. No. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? The motion passes. All right, we are moved to item number eight, recommendation to designate Jameson Drive from Eddingham Avenue to the west end of the cul-de-sac and Eddingham Avenue between Mulholland Highway and 3859 Eddingham Avenue as a preferential parking district and to adopt resolution 2013-1380 authorizing the district. Yes, is Mr. there Mayor, a brief staff report? There is no changes in staff report. Actually, last night, this was a public presentation to Transportation Commission. They unanimously approved this recommendation. City Attorney had a chance to double check resolution. We made minor modification to make it more clear. I believe the council received copy of that. I will ask City Attorney if he wants to make any additional explanation, but we are ready to receive your support on this. Okay. Are, are there any questions from the council? And, and, and just to add a little bit, uh, these preferential parking districts come at the request of the residents that are affected. Uh, a petition is circulated, uh, which uh, the, the residents uh, sign, and then when we validate the petition, then, uh, then, then the, the, the procedure is, is, is deemed complete and we come to the council. Uh, with that. In this case, of course, the, the issue is the overflow from the high school that's impacting the, the neighbors, and the neighbors just 
uh, believe that there were too many cars parking uh, during school hours in their in their block. And, and uh, any questions or comments from the council? I, council I had one. Councilman you know, somewhere in here, and now I can, of course I can't find it. I was reading the uh, the actual petition was in here. Yes, it was. Is there a way? I mean, I'm I'm a little concerned in this day and age with privacy rights. I don't mind it being on file or just reference made that the residents voted this percent, but I'm not so sure we should have the their names, their addresses. I mean, it just does anybody else share that concern? Because I just no. had to. I, I don't. The, the petition itself has to, but I guess what, that what comes out in the staff report and goes on the website doesn't necessarily have to have that the name. That is names. correct. The staff report does not have to have it. If we received a public records request, we'd have to analyze it, though. To, we may have to release it. There's a case out of San Jose. And, That's fine. But, I, I, but I understand. it does not have to be in the staff report or on the website. I just get a little concerned about that sometimes. You know, we there are, and one of the reasons is that there are, there's a, they're not on here, but there's a prosecutor who lives on that in that on that block and a judge. You've got the residents' names and their addresses right. and their signatures. Yeah. Know, so it's there's right. one signature we don't have. <laughs> All right, so that's something you can consider and come back. Okay. I will look into application. I still have. I have a question. Yes. Um, on the and second exhibit one, there's a signature missing. Well, they don't need 100 percent. Correct. That that person. Oh, you don't need a hundred percent. No. But she's aware that this is Correct. happening. Correct. It is. Okay. It was initiated by the neighborhood. Yeah, City did not initiate this. This was initiated by neighborhood themselves. They all mm -hmm. talk. When we have the majority, we were proceeding with this. Okay, but what I'm asking though is the person that did not sign off on wanting this is she aware that this is happening? I'm not sure, but we'd be more than happy tomorrow to notify them. I think that'd be a good idea. And we'll also, can we, um, can we send a letter to the high school letting them know that this is now preferential parking so that they can no let the students know? Actually, last night at Traffic Transportation Commission, the student commissioner recommended that, and that was done today, that they recommended that. Wonderful. I announced it at the PFC meeting, but yes. yeah. I think official paper good. Okay, so if we could just check on this. Well, no, that's a good, that's a good comment on the person that didn't sign because they may be oblivious to the fact that they're going to have a preferential parking district. Yeah, yeah that, and, that's I, you know, and I don't want her to show up here saying. <laughs> yeah, the only quick clarification is this is only 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. At all other times, everybody, the residents can park. Between 8 and 3, they need to have that plaque so they can park there per this resolution. Now, if the residents do not need that, they can their guests park in their driveway, their garages are all open for parking, they do not need to purchase this. So they, there is no cost to them at all. Unless they, well, no, they have to, if they're going to use the stickers if, if and stuff. If they use the permits, they need it. But if they don't need it, let's say if you have a three-car garage in this neighborhood and your garages are open and you have room in your driveway for your guests, your gardener, to park in your driveway, you're not in the public right-of-way, you don't need any permit. Okay. And we but do have a case like that, that certain residents do not need the permits. Okay. Can we just reach out to this one that didn't sign off on it just we'll to make do. sure Tomorrow morning, this person will get the letter from me. Thank you very much. Councilman Mauer. Um, I think this is putting a, a small butterfly Band-Aid on a gaping wound. <laughs> this is... Um, this is a big problem, and it's, it happened at the end of the school year when we noticed that 
for whatever reason, the Performing Arts Center, kids wanting to be off campus for easier in and out, I'm not sure what, but this is only going to push the problem onto Jameson and up further on Eddingham, and we're going to have people come here again. Um, I think you two are, are two school representatives? Okay, yeah. and can, can or has this been addressed at the traffic meetings? We haven't had one yet this and year. And you didn't have one? Has there been any correspondence or communication with CJ about this no. issue? Because there was well, a yes, flurry there has of discussion with CJ. There was actually quite a lot of discussion at the end of the year when yes. the residents raised this. So I trust that there are. Right. But there's been, you asked about the committee. The committee hasn't met since the, over the summer. We'll start meeting again September. September. We have a meeting. Can, we, yes. can no. we put this on the agenda to try and look at what's going on there on campus and why this has become such a yeah. huge issue? Okay. You know, it um, becomes more of an issue as the year goes on because yeah. people, because the kids have birthdays and get their driver's license. So um, the, the reason this happened at the end of the year was because by the end of the year you have several hundred more drivers than you did at the beginning of the year. Well, I, li I live <laughs> in that this. Happen and that happens every year. Uh-uh. No, right. it doesn't. I no, live in this. In well, this, I understand. You're right. Right. But Not in this cul-de-sac. But, but yeah, but, exactly. Right. This is a much, this is new. And um, so that was my only comment. Yeah. What, if I could just comment on that, what CJ had told us at the end of last year was that um, students prefer not to park on campus because they get out faster. That's what I said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And two, um, because on campus, you know, they have the, the dog that yeah. goes around and students don't want that. So how, <laughs> how you know, you're going to... Well, faculty doesn't want it either. Out. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I did drive up there and, when, and, and, when and we got this one. And uh, it's on a related note, when I was helping with registration, there wasn't any information there about the shuttle. And to Robert's credit, he raced, wrote something, raced over, got it distributed. But if we could come up with some kind of promotional plans um, for our schools and... Lastly, when I asked her about permits, we used to have an agreement of some sort that permitted high school students would have to be carpooled in or by, you know, some... Use the public transit. Use public transportation. She says that the number of permittees is down, but that's another issue you might look into. Any other comments or questions regarding this? Um, I, when this did come up, I did drive over there. It was very obvious that there was a problem on this. I mean, the street literally was bumper to bumper with uh, with students, student cars parked. So, um, I uh, I'm, I'm supportive of this resolution. I, I don't I don't disagree with you that it you know when you squeeze here, it comes out to the other end somewhere else. But uh, um, it'll probably be okay in the fall, and it'll get worse as the school year goes on as it does every year. I'm told, because I asked a question just yesterday, that there's actually parking space available as of today on the campus. Okay, Correct. If a student today, at the beginning of the school year, came in, they could get a parking permit. Some of them don't want it, the parking permits for whatever reason. By the end of the year, it does get, you know, as, as 200 more juniors become, get driver's licenses, it, um, it becomes more of a problem. So it's, it is difficult, and your, all your suggestions on working through the committee and the school are, are good ones. The other question I have is, why do we have to charge $75? That's so here we have, what, eight or 10 houses, right? So we're gonna collect $700, and this is to do what? To 
This is the cost of administrative costs because we do follow up on enforcement, issue this ticket, we print these tickets every year, and also the cost of installing the signs and maintaining the signs. This is a one-time cost, correct? There is a one-time cost. It says it's an annual cost. The staff report says it's an annual cost is $75. issue the permit, yes, it is annual. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. I the the, the permit issue, every year we renew the permits because we found out people were duplicating our permits and students were using them again in preferential parking area. <laughs> so it's not just you install a sign and say preferential. The enforcement and follow-up on it is becoming really a hassle and administrative cost was determined is about that amount. This is, it, it's your call if you wish to review the fees. I mean, it was... It, that's it, in the ordinance that that's what they, yeah. they pay? Correct. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, they have to pay $75 a year because we have this problem and we're trying to solve for them. I'm a little uncomfortable about it. So I would be, I would be willing maybe when, you know, to have, this, to have that reviewed at some point. I mean, if that's what the ordinance is now, I don't want to delay this. I want to follow the ordinance, but I... Wasn't there some discussion at Traffic and Transportation Commission as to the cost also and, 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 a lot, and so that people don't give them out to friends if they become, if they're that too cheap? That was the main reason. When you, there is no fee, then they get this, and some of those households that have children in high school. So all of a sudden they become privileged kids, they get three permit and three of their friends card in there. We have this scenario all over. Yeah, okay. There may be good reasons, but it, it, I did want to ask about that. This, the other thing is, can how will the will the will how will the enforcement go? I mean, will they be ticketed immediately, or will will there be a warning round before they get ticketed? No, last night this was discussed. First two weeks, uh, they will get a warning ticket. Okay. Then on the third week, the tickets will be. That's issued. fine. Yeah. I think that's fair and to do a, a a warning notice. That, please note there's a new restriction. You can't park. Fifty-eight correct. dollars is is the ticket. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, good. All right. I have no further questions, and I would um, entertain a motion to approve this. Second. Moved and seconded. Is there any further discussion? Uh, yes, Mr. Mayor, just briefly, yes. the, the resolution before you is has been amended uh, in two respects. In addition, I've noticed a couple quick typographical errors that should be reflected in the amendment. Section 5B notes the code section 10.080-0401 sub 1 that one should be deleted, it should be 0 .040 sub 1. And likewise, a similar typographical error on section 6. Those are the amendments, just typographical errors? On those two, the uh, other amendments had been on section 2 and section 4, where we changed the last sentence to read, such rules and regulations shall be consistent with the provisions of chapter 10.08 of the municipal code. It actually had a section there which would, did not correlate to the permit administration. And under Section 4, 10.08100 of the code, um, the parking permits be, uh, should be re may be revoked for any reason uh, under that section. That section lists a number of reasons why a permit can be revoked. Okay. So those are the amendments from the uh, resolution you received in your packet. Any questions or comments on that? It also says here $50 fine, and you said 58 58 is the... Ticket price. 58 is what AJ. Yeah. So it should be 58 and not 50. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Does, does it Correct. need to say that, or does it, say, or should it just say the fine at the current level? Yeah, it, yeah it that's probably what the problem is, because we it was raised. Uh, it was raised a couple of years ago, right. and probably this is the last time we did one, and right. so we didn't and you change don't want, that. You don't want to have to change the ordinance every time there's a change in the fine. So can't we just say fines pursuant to? 
whatever, current, current, current or schedule current, current or whatever. Fine. Yeah. Just a current fine. Uh, you can you can actually strike the phrase with a current fine of if you like, and just end yes. the end period for markings. Yes, I think that would be better. All right, with those amendments, any further comments or questions? All right, the motion, I'll take the motion, it's already on the floor and assume that the these revisions are acceptable. Yes. And all those uh, in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? <clears throat> that passes 5-0. We are on to the check register. Are there any comments or questions relating to the check register? for the period of August 1 through 14. Seeing none, we'll move to task force reports. Are there any task force reports? I have a quick one. I had a Santa Monica Mountains um, meeting this week, and we approved a resolution to send a letter to the Department of Pesticide regarding rodenticides. Um, and this was in support of not only their regulations to identify um, who can apply it, but where it can be applied, and the letter contained an additional request to ban it in its entirety, and I know our Environmental Commission has been looking at that, and, um, and Linda Parks, at, uh, the supervisor of Ventura County, has been working with agricultural uh, stakeholders and residents and businesses in coming up with some guidelines and seems a little bit further ahead, so I just want to make sure maybe that when the Environmental Commission looks at it, that they look at Ventura County's We action. were, yeah, we were, uh, Council Member Martin uh, asked this, and we uh, are, were mirroring the Malibu uh, one that was, and that was, that's coming to Council at its next meeting. So I, I thought that was a voluntary resolution. There, there, you, you, from what I understand, you cannot ban this in the city of Cal, because it's a legal product in the state. Um, uh, so we were we, just like Malibu was doing. We were going to ask our, our our sellers to. Yeah, this letter was to a state agency exactly, to ban it to the exactly, state. to the state. Exactly, and 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 then and then of course we we comply and we can certainly support that when when it goes to the state if the council wishes to support that. Uh, but in the meantime, the Malibu one it was probably supported widely by most environmental groups, and and that was what. Uh, we mirrored the one that's coming from the Environmental Commission is going to be uh, reviewing that, but really it's a review basically of it, it, what, what do you think about this because we, we are going to bring it to the council written like Malibu's. Is that I, okay? I just, yeah, I yeah. just wanted to add that Ventura County um, has, it seems, additional information. Any other questions or comments? Yes. Oh, I thought staff report. Oh, we're on uh, task force. Task force. Any, anything right. on, on uh, briefly the, on, but anything further on what Mary Sue had raised? Yes, we'll have to balance our, our, uh, our residents' uh, desire to be environmentally friendly with their also very strong dislike for rodents, and uh, you can still get rid of them. Well, but and and. And our, our coyotes, who we gave a great pass to last year, don't seem to be doing their job on at least all the rodents that we uh, were hoping they would take care of. So we'll deal with that. But uh, I think it is already on the agenda for the Environmental Commission, and we look forward to having their recommendation come forward, too. And I know the staff's been working on it, and um, 
Uh, it's been Mary Sue contacted me very early on, and I had con when I saw it on the agenda at Malibu, we had them review that. So we're going to have that uh, as a future item. All right, other task force reports. Yes. Very briefly, uh, it's late. I attended the JPIA annual meeting for our city. We voted. We elected uh, uh, the board. Uh, everything is doing well with the JPIA at this point. End of report. Thank you. Any other task force reports? City manager's report. Yes, uh, one, one thing. I know that the council uh, asked, and we will be uh, discussing the Park Sorrento uh, uh, traffic mitigation uh, uh, project in, in about six months and giving it. But in the meantime, I heard what, what some of the residents were saying, particularly with the in regards to the handicap ramps and the walkway. So I went out there, uh, took a look at it, had the public works director also come out and, and, and take a look. And we're going to be modifying immediately the, the islands in the cul-de-sacs to allow a wider path for folks to, to go straight across. Uh, we notified all the residents in the, uh, the cul-de-sacs that, that this was going to be going on. I think we did that two days ago. Uh, there were very, it, it seemed to be very supportive. Robert got a few calls uh, saying that they, but, but that one was an immediate thing that if there was an 80, one, an ADA thing and a safety thing, uh, and it's an easy fix and it's $3,000, it's going to cost us per, uh, little island there to, to, to fix. And then, and then I think we'll be, we'll be fine. That, that should be pretty much completed by the end of next week. I think if you've driven by there, it, uh, it, it's it's looking uh, pretty good, and I've had some nice conversations with some residents out there, but <laughs> all good. And I've given them all my card, and I said that if there's any more ideas that they have that we can that we can work with them to fix, uh, please give me a call, and then I'll report. We'll report back in about six months how it's going. What I plan to do is a is a survey uh, with speed uh, radar guns to, to to judge the speeds there and the speeds coming in and going out. But but the residents, what, I'm, what we were trying to explain to them, and again, it's an education process, is that it's, it's the entire width of the three that we're using to slow down traffic. So, and you can clearly see it if you stand out there and look, you can clearly see that when they start into the three of them, the traffic does go slower, and, and, and as it comes in, it, it slows down a bit. There's always the one or two who, like the patch said, look at it as a slalom course, but those were the same ones that were racing in a straight course in a drag race when 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 it was without the uh, the traffic circles. But the av the average, which is what we go on, is clearly uh, much lower. Okay. Anything further for the city manager's report? All right. Future agenda items. You have a list under tab ten of future agenda items. We had a couple. I think two items that we put over till next uh, week that'll be added to that. Um, so we have a pretty full meeting on uh, September 11. Um, and uh, you see the, the list of the remaining items. If there are future agenda items, you can always ask, uh, forward them to me or the city manager and we'll add them to the list. Well, I have one, one suggestion. This would be a future agenda item for traffic and transportation commission coming out of the issue of this Park Sorrento roundabouts, I think it's time that we have a more general discussion again about notice uh, issues and what, what constitutes 
not just legally adequate notice, but proper notice for our city to be giving residents when projects such as this are coming forward. So I'd like to get some ideas from the Traffic and Transportation Commission about what their suggestions would be so that we don't have something, and I don't want to debate whether it's right or wrong, what went on, you know, what was installed there, but obviously there were some communications problems just judging from the last meeting we had where all the residents were here upset. So we need to, we need to have a more generalized discussion because we used to do a lot more in that area of notifying people and surveying people before these projects went forward. I, I, I had a conversation with the city attorney this afternoon on that. Please remember, the council directed this process when they signed this agreement with CPHA. The agreement said that CPHA, in consultation with the HOAs, would recommend to the city traffic mitigation projects. It did not say that then the city would put it through a public process to see whether the residents liked it or not. That was an agreement that the city council directed on the city, and that's what we did. So it, it is an extraordinary process. It's not the process that would normally be followed if we use general fund money and whatever to start something anew. Okay, we, I'm a, let's, and, we're not going to get, I, I'm going to suggest that we don't get it. into the discussion no, no. now of either this incident or others, the requests for a future agenda item and, uh, either somebody and ask wants it to go to traffic transition with a recommendation to us and I think we'll follow up on that. I'd like to just touch on that. Um, the city manager and I had a brief conversation about communication in general and, and uh, we've done a fabulous job of promoting our programs, our messages, on the television and to wider audiences, but when it comes to niche projects in smaller communities, we we seem to not um, we seem to have I don't know stumbled a little bit. So we talked about how to make it more effective using the media department and PR rather than you know Robert racing to the high school to get me a f letter about promoting the shuttle that should have been coming from media and promoting that. So. I think it's a little broader rather than just transportation, just general public outreach, I, I would suggest. I think that's a good idea for a future agenda item as well. Any other future agenda well, items? Well, I, I didn't mean for us to do it. On this one, I thought maybe Traffic and Transportation Commission could look at these kinds of, because it seems to be now more of a, an issue regarding many different things involving traffic and transportation where we're, we're meeting the legal requirements, but we're not necessarily going to the locally affected communities. I, I, okay. I think it's enough of an issue for them to discuss. I don't know they, what to do but, other but, than but, to, I've already agreed that your agenda item will go to, but, will but, try uh, to go to traffic and transportation, and what you raised will oh, also I didn't, I didn't make sure that it gets that. on as a yeah, future but, but agenda it, But it's more, than, it's more than that. This is what I'm trying to get at. We, ha we just talked about the Mulholland Project, correct? The, the median, the, the, the median extension, and, and that's a project that affects the entire community. It's not just a traffic circle or a bump or something yeah. like that. That project, in talking to Councilmember, what Councilmember Mauer is talking about, does and will have public input, public meetings, all of that. It, it, all that I was saying is that with this particular traffic mitigation project, there were requirements that we had as a city. That, that's all. Now, if, if, I, if we were going to start this from, from scratch, of course we would have had a public meeting with everybody that's affected before this thing went on. 
I, I don't know how else, I don't know how, I don't know what the Traffic and Transportation Commission is going to come up with, but your direction to me, and I'm here clearly, is that when we do something, that the public have advance warning, know what's going on, and have a say in what's going on. We don't need it much more. You've given me the direction. The next project that comes up will abide by that, and you'll see it in the, in the Mulholland in the Mulholland project. As long as the commissions ask us for things to do and this is an issue, why not just have their input? Uh, we, can, we, can, we can do that. I mean, and then you can, you can create whatever additional things you want to do, but you might get more ideas from them. The, the other part, the other part yeah. of it um, no, I'm not is the, the construction work part of it, which is once the project's approved, but the fact that work is going to start in front of your house can last this many days. Here's a number to call. We talked about that. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, we, we talked about, talked about we, that. We talked that's about something that. that certainly traffic and transportation can look at. And, and that the, the warning, on any the, project, the warning regardless whether it came by contract or by, uh, you know, whatever the origin, you know, I think we we learned that it's we should people should know that there's going to be a construction project in front of their house and. So, so what we want to do with the Traffic and Transportation Commission and have, have them just talk about the, the public... Uh, public outreach. No, public noticing right. and outreach for traffic improvement projects. Right. Again, I didn't want to get into too much discussion. We will be in a better position on all of these cases when, if we had a one-page policy that said, when we're going to do traffic thing, we do a workshop, it goes to traffic... Traffic transportation. We do a workshop where we send out a notice to everybody in a certain area. Then it goes to transportation. Then it goes to city council, sure. and that's how we approve these. And then if we follow that, and people show up and say, "Well, I didn't get notice. What'd you do?" Here's our policy. Here's I, I, I understand. That's clear. Yeah. Uh, clear. clear. Okay. We can. We can. We can certainly do that. All right. Any other future agenda items? All right. Seeing none, I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you, thank everyone. You. Thank you for your lasting through the meeting, and uh, Yay, which was a very good, very effective meeting. Thank you. Thank you.